0: Hello everybody and welcome to Midweek Motorsports Series number 13, episode 12. Oh goodness, that makes me realise that the next one is 13.13. Uh, any tried decaphobics out there? May not want to listen to that one. Just after 8 o'clock in the UK, just after at 7 o'clock, 6 o'clock, you can see I'm all over the place here, in the morning here in Australia. Uh, I'm John Hindhoff and I'm back at Bathurst over in London. Is our executive producer, Tim Gray. Good evening, Tim.
5: Good evening, John. Good evening, everybody.
0: And we'll get straight into it down here. Uh, before we do anything else, I am going to introduce to you uh, our Tim Australian. Yes, there is such a thing, honestly. Uh, he's just sticking a piece of gaffer tape inside his underpants. I oh,
1: it. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> you boys, didn't think one Asher series <laughs> and well that's got to be
0: under question now hasn't it got right, to be under question got to be under question all of that, type, that. <laughs> i'm here at bathurst uh for the high tech oils six hours this weekend i'm delighted to say we're going to be a part of this with uh, with richard um Talk a bit more about it in detail later on. We're going to pop next door and see James O'Brien, the man behind the event Yeha uh, Promotions, who have uh, have been involved. James himself been involved here for a very long time, uh, indeed. Um, before Tim gets into the news, let's just sort of set the scene, Creelsey. the The venue, everybody knows, mm. so our audience is very well aware of of what Bathurst and Mount Panorama has to uh, has to offer. Uh, The circuit is exactly the same. Um, Weather a little bit different, although end of the summer now for you, um, but actually quite pleasantly warm and the forecast for the weekend actually quite hot. But what we're going to see in the paddock and out there on the track, distinctively different from the 12 hours, at least the more recent past of the 12 hours. But there is a link between the two events. Yeah, there is. Hello, everyone. Nice to be back with you.
1: Um, we're not going to talk about cricket for the next two hours. Uh, or I'm quite happy to do so because I'm at peace with all. Um, yeah, it, it's it's become a... It's been really interesting to be part of, to be honest. And I've been lucky enough to be involved in the 12 hours since day one. Genesis there was 2007 when that event came back as a production car race. And... The long story short is that, that that event grew and evolved so rapidly that it needed be, to become more than it was. It evolved um, and it turned into a GT race. and That was the only logical way that that event could grow bigger than it was. But what it did was left a large corner of the Australian motor racing marketplace, which was for improved road-going production vehicles to go racing. It left them out in the cold. Now, those cars were and to a certain extent still are eligible for that race. But why are you going to run Mitsubishi Lancer up against a full-blown GT3 car? So by just by purely by the natural evolution of motorsport here, there was a demand of vacuum, if you will, for an event to fill the hole. And, and James and his team at IHAR Events, I've been fortunate enough to work with for a long time, had an event on their program at Easter. It was called the Bathurst Motor Festival. And it was an opportunity for people to go car racing at Bathurst who wouldn't get the chance for categories that wouldn't get a slot on the 1,000 or the 12-hour. So he had an event and there was a demand and it just made sense to go, well, let's have a production car endurance race.
0: I think, okay, perfectly set the scene. Thank you for that. I think what we've got to say also is that what you call improved production here Mm. in Australia has a rich, rich heritage. And in fact some of the other categories that we blithely talk about can almost be traced back to improved production mm. because these are cars that invariably nowadays were bought as a street car. Mm. Some of them, you were telling me, before we came on air, were are still registered, road registered. Yeah. And, and basically, the, the very, very basic idea is bolt the cage into it, make it safe, yeah. and take it motor racing. Yeah. And, and there's something about that that goes back to The real glory days and the grassroots, to to coin a very obvious phrase, um, start of motor racing anywhere. Yeah,
1: 100%, and especially at this place. And the, the irony is that more than any other event at Mount Panorama, this one probably links closer to the history of the most famous event here, the Bathurst 1000. That's what it was called with us. Yeah. So for those unaware, and I'll I'll tell a very long story in a short form, that the 1000 was originally for what was called series production cars. So when it started in 64, it was... Road cars that didn't even have roll cages back in the day—they were very rudimentary—and it was a multi-class race, hundred percent. And I mean, the Holden Dealer team, the factory Holden team of the day, was famous for driving their cars up the Hume Mm. before it was a four-lane expressway from Melbourne, race them, and then drive them home. So it, it is actually production car racing. Now, obviously, it's involved a bit. There's more technology, more whiz bang stuff involved, but the roots of it are very, very similar to that in this instance. Whereas the 12 hours of GT race and the 1,000 has evolved, of course, as it would, into being an unbelievable spectacle. But it doesn't have that win on Sunday, sell on Monday yeah. mentality. The other thing is, is that with all the links to the history of this place, motor racing started here at this place on Easter 1938. So we're two weeks out from the 80th anniversary of racing starting here, April sixteen. Mm-hmm. 1938 was the first ever race which was for two wheels and we'll go into that later in the show i've got, got a bit of history for you that i've i've dug up that we can talk about it i know you love it and and it's pretty cool um so this this weekend is the traditional bathurst racing weekend yeah. so when it the 12 hour when it came back in 2007 started on this yes. weekend and then it moved to february so we're back here it's all gone full circle we've got a production car race on the Easter long weekend it's all the traditional stuff win on sunday sell on monday mentality and a massive field, multi-class field, with a huge speed gap between the fastest and slowest cars. Factory-ish teams, right down to people that have cobbled it together on an absolute shoestring and everything else in between.
0: I know somebody, I was told yesterday, the day before yesterday, I've lost a deer this week, I've got no clue where I am. Um, And we're speaking to you from the future as well, of course. Um, There is a team out there who have bought a right-off car that can't be put back on the road um, not to race, but as a spares package. Yeah. And it will sit downstairs and they will rob bits off it as they need it. This is, this is proper grassroots stuff. A lot of the guys have prepared these cars themselves in their sheds, in their garage unit, whatever, that they have done. And, you know, I, I, I really, I'm i really looking forward to it. Don't expect, though, that it's not going to be competitive. Uh, you've given me a, a bullet point sheet here. Um, 3.7 seconds between the top 10. 2.2 2 in 2017. The depth and quality of the competition coming down. Um, the competitive nature of motor racing is reflected in the classes here, just as it is everywhere else, but it's just been done at a, on a different budget level for so many of these people mm. who, as you said, wouldn't be allowed, or maybe couldn't get the, the wherewithal together to come and race in any of the other events. The other thing that people have got to remember this weekend, Crailsy, is it's not just the high-tech oils. Six hours, because there's some cracking support races.
1: Yeah, there's almost 300 race cars here (laughs) this weekend. So there's 62 in the B6 HR. Um, There's a field of 40 uh, production sports cars, which is... A good portion of the Bathurst 12 Hour field, so GT3 cars and back um, down to stuff like Lotus, EJ, Elise, mm-hmm. Prod Sport stuff, um, historic Formula Ford, so pre 1986 Formula Fords with a Kent engine, Raynards, Lola's, all sorts of very cool stuff running in that. Uh, Already, Jeremy Shaw
0: is planning his trip for next year.
1: Yeah, uh, and I know Jeremy's big into driver development, so Australia's newest entry-level category is hyundai xl racing now if you're sitting in the cold damp uk wondering what on earth the hyundai xl is it was the little hatch that really projected hyundai onto the world stage I think we called it an accent Might hyundai accident i think it was um, <laughs> they were i don't think i can claim that that might have been a top gear thing i've stolen but anyway um but, <laughs> it's all about context no, no idea, but it works um but it, that was the, hot, the the little hatch that really propelled the Korean car manufacturers onto the world mm. stage. They like, hang on a minute. These guys can build decent cars. And they sold hundreds of thousands of them here in Australia in the, the early to mid-1990s. So they've, they, as you do with cars like that, you go car racing with them. So you can buy these things for 500 bucks, put a roll cage in them, race seat, Fire extinguisher steering wheel. See you off you go. It's unbelievably good racing.
0: There's more than 250 of them racing around Australia now. I've heard people that the full prep race cars are changing for hands for as little as four or five thousand Aussie dollars. Yeah, hundred percent.
1: Yeah, but it's motor racing, so you can spend twenty (laughs) five quite easily. And I'll show you a car later today that has had probably closer than amount spent on, but it's pretty cool. Um, But it's a great category, and that's been developing not only. A cool way for blokes just to go car racing and girls I'm that, that want to. But young drivers are using it as a really affordable entry point out of cutting. The other thing we've got here is group N historic touring cars. So uh. pre-1974 back, Mustang, Ooh. Camaro, Tirana, XU uh, one Falcon GT, back to Lotus Cortinas, stuff like that. So cool, cool racing categories. And there's a Porsche regularity on, which I don't just know You've just porked me. You've Why just porked you me. you are not in that? Because the Porsche Club of New South Wales are here. You've availed yourself of Porsche's hospitality. It must be said, Porsche Cars Australia and uh, Porsche Centre South Sydney, I think it yeah. was. Yeah, have very graciously given you a very, yeah, very nice car, which which got the approval of Marino Franchitti. I saw on yes. Twitter, as one should. Um, you should be in that. Get some laps. I don't know why we didn't think about that before the weekend. Do- I know we tried to get you a drive, but that'll be a
0: 2019 project. I think. I think. We'll come yeah. back to that. Um, I, 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 you still have to, even for the regularity, you still have to have a, a helmet and some yes. overalls. So I, I suppose that would blag them from somewhere. It's not beyond the bounds of both, Because You don't even need a race license for that, do you? Uh, you've the, got to be part of the car club. Car club level two license, nice. which is sign of Yeah, Basically. okay. I've done that before when There's, I drove here before. In yeah,
1: the past. yeah, yeah. There's a bunch of nine uh, in that as well. Actually, I've seen on the entry list. Oh, There's about fifty five of them. Fifty five Porsches of from a GT two
0: RS to a Absolute entry level boxer and everything in between. If one of the blokes who has a 968 RS strangely develops food poisoning or a broken leg, <laughs> and you just disappear for twenty mm. minutes every couple of mm. hours, mm. Mm. interesting. Um, now, you know there was a good uptick on the uh, on the spectators here last year, but yep. let, you know let's make no bones about it. This is not a huge spectator event right now. This is very much an event put together for the guys who come and drive, uh, the drivers, their families, and some of them have travelled big distances here. Yeah,
1: every state and territory in Australia represented amongst not just the six hour, but the broader support categories as well. So that's, some people have driven over from Perth, which is a very, very long way away. Um, Yeah, it's not huge. Last year at about 17,500 over three days, so... Um, a lot of that's built up with the core people that come and camp and, and their Easter holiday is come to Bathurst. The weather traditionally here this time of year is spot Literally. on. Cool Literally. nights, cool yeah. mornings, banging days like we've had today and, or we're going to have today, 28 degrees. Yeah. It's going to be like that most of the weekend. So um, it's growing gradually. Easter's a tough time well, of course. to put an event on. The,
0: because crazy, people. there were people here. You know, I got here Tuesday morning australian time sure? which is i uh, no, um which is monday back in the uk and three weeks last wednesday where i came from i have no clue um and when i pulled into the paddock mid-afternoon i took a steady drive up um there were five people mm. already parked up yeah. on tuesday afternoon now it was, yeah. uh, some of those people maybe all of them might be working but even so I was quite surprised at that uh, the mountain looks a picture yeah. the other thing I would say is Bathurst Council is, is behind this event as much as they are any of the other big events that's here there were people out painting the curbs all the new signage is going up that was all happening yesterday afternoon I really am struggling with time um, and um, you know so you know it's, it's got that big event feel to it, which is great for anybody who's coming to compete. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I think that's
1: part of the appeal. And even in the early, early days of the 12-hour, it still had all that effort put into it to make it bigger than perhaps it was at the time. Mm-hmm. But, but that's, what, that's what helps grow the event. And that gives it that really good foundation to put in and, and invest in it early and it grows. Um, th- this event to me, and I, I said it at the end of last year's race, and last year's was the second six-hour that we'd had first one was 16 last year's was the second one uh, that race felt to me like the Bathurst 12 Hour I did in 2010 when we were four years in yeah yeah so it, it it's grown a lot quicker and on that timeline you're out here about two years before you came out for the Correct. for the 12 hour in 13 for the yeah. first time so it, it's it's growing quicker it, it's following a very similar similar model but it works, doesn't it? So, will this ever be as big as the 12 hour? Probably not. Does it need to be? Absolutely not. Has it got its own niche in the sport? Dead set, and that's what it's all about.
0: That's Richard Creel. He'll be back with us later on in the programme. We're sitting in the press room here at Bathurst for this weekend's High Tech Oils Bathurst six hours. Uh, We've got some audio coverage and some sound and vision linked in together. All day Sunday, we've got a a video stream for you, and we're going to try and make the technology work to get you some audio as well um for us at the moment uh we'll pass you back to london and tim has got the news all the latest motorsport news from around the world midweek motorsport
5: and we start with formula one news
2: hooray
5: which means we need to talk to our formula one correspondent nick damon good evening nick
2: good Good evening tim good evening everybody uh, so the first race of the season is yes.
5: uh, beyond us. The Australian hey, Grand Prix. Us,
2: it's not, it okay, us? not
5: Not beyond us. It, it has happened. <laughs> it has passed yes. us, but not. It seems, be, it
2: seems to be beyond Mercedes strategists. But apart from that, uh, Ooh, it's um, gone yes, to us
5: a little later maybe. Well, it was. Definitely. And what an
2: event! It, and what an event it was.
5: Um, it happened. <laughs> the uh, good news is uh, some of the things we talked about last week didn't happen.
2: No, what I mean, Lewis winning.
5: No, I meant the uh, action lap.
2: Oh yes, they, 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 they didn't do that. They, they, they cut all the um, the sponsored replays, the I cinematic think the action. Replays lap.
5: did happen in some territories.
2: Ah, right,
5: okay. In the... practice, when hmm. the replay uh, graphic came on, uh, there was an empty box underneath it that looked like it shouldn't have been there.
2: Was that the same as when Last Name was chasing Last Name?
5: Uh, first was name funny. last
2: name yes he's uh he's a, first very, name, last name. Was, a very good driver. but he was he was 7.6 seconds ahead of first name last name so why love having showing
5: of, that battle because it's not even close
2: well yes but you kind of it was a strange I, you know, obviously they have the branding exercise which has been going on um ever since you know the final curtain fell uh in Abu Dhabi in November which we started with the lovely new logo which they tweaked three times even though it looks sort of the same continued with a new graphics package which apparently is already going to get tweaked again next week uh, Sorry, in two weeks time for, for Bahrain with the extra information they hadn't quite managed to logo everything properly they'd misspelled formula at one point which- it was quite amusing. They had the old logos on the position boards for the pole sitter, so it was kind of like that halfway house. I don't know if You if you, ever, you must have worked for a company through a rebrand. You get all this stuff that's left over, don't you? Luckily, that's just on paper. Last
5: time I worked for a company that had a rebrand, uh, all the staff were told that all of their branded clothing had to be burnt.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of a hangover for, yeah i mean it's um yeah and, and it has to say that the uh, the wonderful that, that twitter was used for it's absolutely you know, it may have you know run the arab spring it may encourage you know the dissemination of information but the main point it appears for twitter is to catch out f1 every time they make a minor new graphical mistake be it stuck on a board or on the screen and everyone's had a field day when you know in fairness, they should have practised enough not to have this, but as we know, these things always happen. Um, it's very but yeah, they, they, to they, they think they uh,
5: without actually having a live uh, event.
2: Well, they could have practised at the um, test, I suppose, but it was a bit yes. different with gaps and stuff. They could have practised some of the things at the test, certainly. But um, yes, yeah, so, but the thing, obviously, so going back to, you, to your um, uh, original point is yeah, the, the sort of the super. Well, cinematic things didn't happen now I don't know why it didn't happen I assume they, they thought better I mean, the big apparently thing they, didn't they had some feedback
5: from uh, consultation uh, groups
2: well, how can you feedback before you even see I mean, them? the cinematic might be quite good you don't know until you've tried it once but of course the other thing that didn't happen is the over the top service didn't launch so that was supposed that to launch was this only
5: week only due to launch yes. uh, and towards the start of the season they didn't say it would launch for the first race
2: you would think that it would be the best time to launch something before people it got jaded. Would be a great,
5: great time to launch it, but and they never, they never people, said that they would.
2: I know there's a lot of people at Biggin Hill. There's a lot of people who know what they do- who should know what they're doing. So therefore, launching an over the top service in limited territories should not have been beyond the wit of man, considering MotoGP have one and a number of others do. So I was a little bit surprised that didn't happen. Hmm. So you do kind of wonder, um, you know, the level of organisation behind these uh, these announcements um, there is a I did think there is a bit of a case of W1A here where they are which is a, a British um, satirical comedy programme based around uh, I can't say the second word Marketing B um, that goes on and marketing speak he does appear to have one of those meetings after a particularly well lubricated lunch Come with 150 ideas threw them against the wall and go yeah we'll do all those and then people have gone really don't just don't do all those they're all a bit silly do,
5: do some of and, those if you have
2: to well, well, no. I mean, you've got the, you have the, uh, well, basically the key one they, they've not done the sponsored replays, the, um, the cinematic music. There was, uh, what was, it? What was, what was another one which was ridiculous as well. And they've, but they've not, what well, they haven't done. Sorry to segue across. What they've not done is concentrate on something quite obvious. They haven't worked out how to get a decent onboard camera angle for a Halo. Um, there was a very thin excuse for that. Um, and they, uh, yeah, which but the, they had
5: to tell the teams uh, before the first of June last year that they wanted to move the camera positions.
2: So they've actually then in, 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 say, the Halo. But it wasn't as bad as people were making up. Again, there was an opportunity, really. I think think it's a very, very interesting audience for F1. Um, There is, and and by interesting, I actually mean the motorsport aficionados. There are a massive number of people who live to knock F1, it's their only joy. They're effectively like Man U fans waiting with glue leave when man city slip up or vice versa because man city aren't slipping up you know and then they did pounce on it and they but they still watch the race so they still count as a viewer but all they want to do is find elements of criticism you know for for from whatever it may be and i was and you know this kind of ne- it's it's it, they actually get their enjoyment by being negative about the sport and that's you know well they used each to his own but it does get a bit tiresome after a while especially when you know you've you, you, know, we, you know we've both worked in yeah, you know, I've actually worked for the people who are still there, and you obviously worked very much in, in, in motorsport. And these things happen, and nothing's really—you know—it's not a major mistake, a problem if you get a graphic wrong, saying last name first name. It happens; things happen. Blank graphics turn up, and you know, in every other sport, a blank graphic has turned up at some point. But you know, oh, let's put that across everything about like the world's worst event and think, oh, come on, boys, grow up. But you know, it's not going to happen. No it's one, one died. Exactly. No, no one even got even mildly hurt. Which is even better, but. Um, yeah i mean it's um it's it was it was a i mean i think one thing was they they had definitely improved the camera angles, though um that was for sure a couple of times certainly in qualifying you, you you truly got the impression the speed of the cars um you know which is going to be a bit of a pain in the ass for I uh, sorry, sorry, apologize – paying the backside for um formula e because their only usp was their cars looked looked quick even though they were slow and now you've got cars looking quick when they're quick and they're back to formula looking slow again
5: Yes. Uh, you mentioned qualifying there. Is there anything specific you want to say about qualifying or should we move on to the race?
2: Hamilton's very good.
5: Hamilton was very good. Very uh, good. Toto Wolff uh, predicted that Ferrari had been sandbagging.
2: Mm. Well, I think I think the, the key event, you know, there's a lot of stuff happening in qualifying, um, you know. You could point to Sergei Sirotkin doing exactly what he thought he would do, which is nothing. I know you're his biggest fan. The key event of qualifying actually obviously happened at the start of Q3 when Bottas threw it in the wall. Because that, I think, you know, when we sit around and chew over the results and chew over luck or bad luck, a virtual safety car, or unsafety car, you know, Hamilton may have lost, but the biggest loser of the weekend was Bottas by a country mile because i can absolutely think that the entirety of that race all toto wolf was doing was looking at danny ricardo and going yeah we we can't take valteria anymore he's just not got what we need couldn't overtake anybody and i know there are reasons for that and i know but you know it's the kind of guy where he has the best car and he couldn't overtake people but we, we caveats just impressions he threw the car off and he but he lost their strategic advantage because theoretically he would have been running ahead of Vettel anyway, so Mercedes would have. Yeah, he should have been qualified second. Worst case third. Therefore, he would be running ahead of Vettel. He would have taken advantage of the of the virtual safety car and he would have won. So you lose that second, you know, key in the uh, in the situation is very very important in these situation in environment. And so Bottas is the is the absolute the biggest loser of the whole weekend, possibly with equal with the person who designed the uh, the Haas wheel hubs. Let's uh, take a
5: look at the race team by team. So uh, you mentioned Bottas, very slow to uh, make his
2: way up through the field. Um, yeah, um, he said he, they got the cooling wrong. And obviously when you when you have completely totaled a car, um, you rebuild it the best you can, which is, which is pretty good. But even at the end of the day, they will have to make a few guesses because they're stuck on a setup which is which is probably not the same as the qualifying center, as they're allowed to do because it's out of Park Firm. And they can put, well, it in Park Firm, but they can produce something slightly different. And they've blanked off slightly differently. And every car we know is different. And, every unit, and so they've they apparently got the cooling wrong. But, um, yeah, I mean, Bottas has an absolute nightmare. Um, and, you know, he he can bounce back, but, you know, it's, it's, this, it's this inconsistency. And, you know, Hamilton threw it off in qualifying, but it didn't matter last year because he's already world champion. Um,
5: Even though Bottas was starting near the back and uh, yeah. and wasn't able to make his way up through the field to help Lewis, uh, Mercedes could have survived that, were it for the fact that they didn't seem to listen to our Formula One preview show.
2: Really? Okay, go on, go on. Uh,
5: because they made the really startling decision to cover Kimi Raikkonen when he pitted early, <laughs> uh, Well in fact... what, what did you what did you say uh, in the preview show about Kimi Raikkonen?
2: I said as Sam has already personally tweeted me what about Kimi Raikkonen. Let's be let's let's take two things at once. Kimi Raikkonen had a brilliant weekend and was better than Fettel and did very well. But that's not the point. Kimi Raikkonen does have brilliant weekends. It's all the other weekends when he doesn't that's the problem Kimi um you know he's...
5: despite uh having uh been second in that race or be it several seconds behind lewis he's not going to win the world championship this year they do not need no. to cover kimmy well
2: they they're because they're trying to win the race and also they didn't i think you know Let's be honest about this. The, the, Vettel was, was, was way off. He was nine or ten seconds off. They hadn't. They were sitting there thinking about safety cars, and well, theoretically about safety cars and virtual safety cars. Obviously, they knew nothing about it. There was a very narrow window for something to go right for Sebastian Vettel, and Vettel completely lucked in. You know, he could have been in a position to do it. He was in the position, actually because he had a bad qualifying, was third. If he'd been running second, he'd have gone in first, and it would have been right and picked up ifs and buts. The fact is that Mercedes, for all their 1,000 employees, Obviously, absolutely none of those 1,000 employees has ever watched a World Endurance Championship race or even a Creventic race. Because then they'd realise that when the the field is neutralised by a virtual safety car, codes it, we want to call it, they are going very slowly. And the amount of time you can gain by going in and out of pits is massive. Hence the reason Creventic don't even let you do a full refill because it's so advantageous. Now, I don't think I was alone, certainly from conversations I've had, when I was, I was watching it live and as soon as the virtual safety car came out and I think Fettel was 11 or 12 ahead, seconds ahead, I thought, well, that's it. He's got the lead because it was only about 23, 24 seconds to do a, a full speed pit stop. It was absolutely patently obvious he was going to come out ahead. And why the world's biggest and why the second or perhaps biggest spending team in the world couldn't work that out, I have absolutely no idea. Anybody who watches endurance racing knew what was going to happen. And the yeah the the incredulousness of the commentary team I was listening to as well was I like, thought what on earth you want about this it's obviously going to happen. There
5: were some commentators you know, the who only... seemed to think that, uh, um, Vettel had overtaken Hamilton. No, he didn't. He was eleven seconds ahead of him already.
2: I know. I mean, the the complete lack of I actually wrote a post and I said I think I'm afraid I think it's bubble mentality. I don't you know they, it's such a bubble sometimes that they don't I think watch enough other motorsport they don't understand how these things work and, and, and you what know and happened in Formula 1 before it happened last year well, yeah, you just kind of think, well, how? why would they think that it's a 23-second pit stop, Well, 24, whatever it was, that they need to be within 15 seconds? Yeah, you're going down the main straight at, you know, 60 or 80 clicks. You're not going at 302 or 10 clicks. It's a quarter of the speed to go down the whole main straight. And that's a long straight. When you're a bloke in the pits, he's going much faster. Or it has to stop for three seconds. And he's going much faster again. You know, so you're thinking, well, hang on, that's not 11 seconds in anyone's language. So it's really surprising they, they, yeah, it, it was a total piece of luck for Fettel um, uh, if, if Mercedes had known about the possibility of a problem they had um, they could certainly Lewis could have put in a couple of very quick laps in the, in, on the, the start of his run on the on tyres the and closed it down to 9.5 or whatever it, whatever it needed to be but instead he was trundling along two or three tenths of faster knowing he was totally safe and then he fell for one thing that was going to stop him winning but um, you know well done to Ferrari. I wouldn't say necessarily well done to Fettel. He was just there at the right time. But you know, it's sometimes you know you have to do something different. If you do do the same thing, if you come in the lap after Lewis, he'd have been third. You know, there was debates whether he could because of the tracks of pushing the cars. So they did something different and they lucked in. You know, once every ten races, once every fifteen races is going to happen, and this time it happened big. And yeah, then, Ferrari, then, even though Lewis then was, involved, then was lucky could get past.
5: but they had to be fast in order to be lucky to start with. Uh, let's move a little bit further back. Red Bull. Uh, McKardon, mm. Well,
2: Wonder Kid did had had a very poor weekend, didn't he? Didn't he? You know, he had a he, he, yeah. They, uh, I've seen you know, There's been the, he does get an easy ride. I've noticed this because you, you read the stuff on the Monday morning. It's like, oh, oh, this, that, and the other. But no, he had an absolute nightmare race. He's anyway, He was lucky at the start because he had got checked up by not hitting someone somewhere past him. But he couldn't get past the house, which is fine because it's hard to get past anything. But then he, he tried too hard, roosted his tires off the track, broke the underneath of the car, then fell off and spun burnt his tires and carried on going and then couldn't get past and then you know got over by Lonzo by a couple of tenths. but you think well that's you know And then people are going oh it's oh you know, this and the other thinking no he had a rotten race you know if anyone else had done it they'd be getting absolute pasting but you know he, he seemed a little bit untouchable um in the world but he was he had a rotten race ricardo obviously had a very strange penalty um in FP 2 i think where he was given yeah. game two sell so a red flag which didn't matter and and, it, and getting a three pace penalty that seemed very very harsh i mean I, i'm not sure what the, the other options are perhaps that's changed by either sort of you know fine him a couple hundred quid or give him a slap on the wrist or a reprimand but i didn't see why that how that was but you know he bounced back from it um overtook a car well done and ended up in fourth place which in reality because he obviously gained a huge amount of space when we actually went full safety car was probably the best he was going to do anyway yeah um so you know, in a clean race, even if the Red Bulls had started you know, fourth and fifth, and let's even assume they were fourth and fifth into the first corner, um, whatever the people who were talking up are concerned, they would still have be been fourth and fifth at the end without anything. It would, it would, yeah, the, the, that's so the fact. Fourth and seventh. Because Verstappen had a mare. Yes. But, you know. uh,
5: going into the weekend, Fernando Alonso said uh, he expected uh, Australia to be a struggle, but they'd uh, be much better uh, for the rest of the season. Uh so he struggled his way to fifth position,
2: he wily old fox didn't he he uh, was there where he needed to be he benefited from the retirements and uh, mistakes of others and put in a you know pretty faultless performance and trundled that car around to fifth, which is going to give them a great beat, a great boost. I think the bigger boost they're going to get to be honest, and it's you know Schadenfreude, Freud it's just you know is the biggest boost they're going to get is that Hartley was you know i think last or next to last, and um Pierre Gasly's Honda blew up, and they're going to go. Well, you know, however whatever we did, we were still right to leave Honda. And you know, on the evidence of race one, you know, they you can't deny that fact. So they obviously need to improve and improve quickly, but they're not a long way off, which Sophe is the good van point.
5: Dune, uh, also in the points.
2: Yeah, ninth. Um, yeah, he 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 went round. I think I think he started. I think he actually finished where he started. If you take away retirements, but you know, sometimes it's days like that. Sometimes the it track's really hard to overtake. That's all you can do.
5: Uh, Force India Terrible um, Ocon was okay in the first half of the race but not setting the world on fire and then after his pit stop was uh, much
2: much slower on the uh, uh, on the yeah, I mean, harder tyre I think the issue is that they bought a massive update um, and that massive update they only had three hours to get it working because they obviously lost any dry running on Saturday morning and so they're still trying to work out what's going I think it kind of points out that yes all right they may have done some lovely mechanical testing and hydraulics testing in 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 barcelona but sometimes to get an idea what your car's actually doing you need to have the final package on it and if you put a completely different aero package we're well, not just an update you've got it's not necessarily going to react the way where you want it to um so they've kind of had a bad start and they're going to need to get on top of that very very quickly because otherwise they're not looking like they're going to finish fourth they're, like they're going to finish seventh or eighth overall
5: uh you mentioned Toro rosso Hart, Brandon Hartley, the only person on a two-stop strategy, although his first stop was at the end of only, lap one. Yeah, because he locked up on the first corner. The these his The engine failure for Gousley was the MGUH, uh, which yes. is what caused the problems for uh,
2: Alonso uh, so many times last year. Yeah, it's a bit it unlucky for Honda not to have had a problem uh, until that point, but, you know that's what happens you know they 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 they've got things improved but it's not improved that much and they're still you know uh having problems uh, uh, whether they'll be missing other tracks whether they've got some more in reserve whether they, I mean the real the point about it is though is that it you know it's not the end of the world for uh Toro Rosso to take tactical penalties if they need to run seven engines this year they can run seven engines this year they they'll they'll, they'll probably go yeah, they'll, they'll choose races where they're already going to qualify 17th and 18th and they're qualified you know, 20th and 20th, 19th and 20th so it's not it's not as embarrassing as it is for McLaren to do that and they can pick and choose where they want to take it they can they can divert stuff through they can just have a very quiet uh, conference and they can see if they can push the development with with Honda uh, but yeah, it's, it's obvious that whilst the engine is significantly better than last year it's still the least powerful um, and it's still well it was the pretty unreliable last year and it's still it's it's failed Fifty percent of the time already, but that uh, could be bad. That could be bad luck. So things were bulletproof in testing, and apparently, they did only run one engine each week? So they weren't mucking about doing overnight changes. Then, uh,
5: while the Red Bulls were the uh, big Ben and obviously Fettel uh, were the big beneficiaries of the virtual safety car, uh, the big losers were Renault.
2: Yeah, I mean, Carlos Science had an odd race. Um, ended up drinking too much water and felt sick. Which, which sounds like the sort of thing a three-year-old does. I do run too much water, I'm going to be sick. You know. Um, but, and he also made a mistake early on, which gave his position to um, Alonso, so do a bit of Spanish shuffle. Hulkenberg uh, was the only person who's actually overtaken properly when uh, Ricardo got past him. And then they trundled round. I think Renault will be probably okay with that. They probably would have liked him a little bit better. But I've always said that this Albert Park is not a track that tells you anything apart from who wins that race. Um, because it's, it's very different from anything else, and it's very difficult to make up for poor positions, and you know, so it's a, it's a, yeah, it's, it's not a great indicator in many ways. Um, but I think I think they'll think, well, fair enough, we got two cars in the points, and that's it. We'll go. So say tenth was eleventh. Or or uh, I 10th, think it was tenth, yes. yes. Yeah, they got two cars in the points, so they go fair enough, and and move on to another day. I think. Uh, Haas. Yes, what a brilliant performance! Up until Fine. About five thousand dollars, unsafe release. Yeah, I mean they they managed to cross thread different wheels on both cars. I think it was rear left on the first one and front left on the second one. And rear left on Magnussen. Great, yeah. Magnussen Magnuson drove brilliantly. Um, really, you know, and. and I think we were talking about this with Sam in the, in the preview. That it, it's it's looking like Magnussen is going to... That they they, they realise, I think, between them, that, that Haas are not going to stick with the same two drivers next year. So they're already looking at, you know, who's going to get the upper hand. And certainly, performance-wise, um, it would be Magnussen from that first race. He was faster in, in all the paces that counted and was ahead when they both suffered the same ignominy. Though, of course, um, Roman Grosjean's made a number of friends with his reaction to the... Uh, yeah, Very unfortunate pit stops and his sympathy for his teammate. Uh, His his, his actual guys and mechanics. So I think certainly He he had the benefit of
5: being much closer to the pit lane when he retired, though. So he didn't have a long walk back.
2: Yeah, but I think also I think it's you know his his reputation as a bit of a moaning mini will have done will have been slightly improved by this as and I think Magnussen's reputation you know as just a bit aggy, but not particularly quick is, 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 you know, he has looked better since halfway through last season. And he was, I think for the first time, genuinely a bit faster than uh, Roman the entire time. And, you know, well, Roman can't moan because apparently they have fixed the braking system after two years. Well done. Um, But it is a lot of points they've thrown away and it's very likely this early advantage they have won't last because you would say in development terms, the teams behind them, immediately behind them, like McLaren, like Renault are more likely to develop faster than they are more likely you know, nothing's certain so that's a lot of points they've you know, they looked at a fourth or a fifth or a fifth of a sixth that's a lot of points they've not got which were easy to pick up so um you know that's gonna cost them quite a bit of money at the end of the year um it may well cost them a couple of places in the championship and obviously points make prizes don't they
5: they do indeed uh gunter steiner uh, had an interesting thing to say about the uh uh incidents he said uh, that uh he didn't think the team had had enough pit stop practice, uh, but later on in the quote, he intimated that they had had exactly the same issue with the the cross threading when they had done pit stop practices. So it's yeah, not it's a out- new new thing for them.
2: Yeah, I think the problem was they were obviously they the problem was the auto release. I think you know a cross thread nut is a problem, but you can undo it, and get it on again. It does cost you two seconds. You haven't sent the car with a wobbly wheel and retired and get a fine um they've obviously changed the wheel nut design they've obviously checked all the wheel hub um design these, these nuts are um obviously quite widely spaced when they go and they want them to go in with as few turns as possible because it makes it faster and you know, they've just made, made a mistake and they've paid very very heavily for it uh
5: think back to the 2017 uh australian grand prix
2: right i've got my, 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 my doctor who way back machine
5: what uh, caused uh, Lance Stroll's retirement?
2: Uh, being a bit rubbish. And, uh, and brake
5: failure uh, oh, caused by some debris in the brake duct. Uh, oh, and exactly the same thing has happened to Sergei Sorokin this year. The first yeah. retirement of 2018 uh, was caused by a sandwich wrapper.
2: Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's regardless of what co- took them out, I mean, I think, williams do look to be the mess we thought they were and the reason they're a mess isn't hard to see um well there's two reasons one they bought a car that they can't get their head around and second they haven't got drivers who have the experience to get their head around a car they can't get their head around so um you know it's uh a sorry state for you know the team that i think all of us well a lot of us have a little secret soft spot for. um you know, we hope things can get better, but without massive amounts of testing, you kind of wonder how it is going to get better. Um, so they're on for a long, hard slog before they can work out what's going on. Uh,
5: so that meant that Saber were not the slowest team.
2: No, the Sabres looked t- truly dreadful to a qualifying when they just looked a bit bad. Um, Marcus Eriksson uh, did a very, very good job and uh, outshone uh, Charles Leclerc. So Marcus certainly used his, uh, his extra... Uh, experienced to good good effect um and charles you know, his eye looked clear you know was consistent and steady as you need to be in your first race when realistic you're not going to score any points unless it's a miracle and there wasn't a miracle so he got the mileage he needs to get uh, erics was unlucky to have a breakdown um power steering so probably,
5: the cause of that one well,
2: at least these are allowed an unlimited power steering units so it won't be a hangover for any other future races um so yeah I think Ericsson did very well One, of the, one of the, you know, with, with Magnussen, one of the revelations of the weekend, I think. Um, so, yeah, you know, possibly, you know, if they can just get their hand on the car. The car's obviously not completely awful, but it, I think, as Sam said, it's very, very new and very, very different. And They can just get their handle on how to get the thing working. I think, It you know, did I'm not look, gonna... look like
5: they were starting to understand it, certainly more than Williams understand their car.
2: Yeah, I think that's a very good point, Tim. I think they, they, they certainly, they, they, when they finally got the car, when the grip came up at the back end of the first part of qualifying, I think both Charles and Marcus found about one and a half seconds or one and three quarter seconds when the other drivers were only finding three quarters. So it might be they actually, if they get to some slightly more higher grip circuits, they might find things actually work a little bit better. So I would think they'd be very encouraged. You know, they obviously don't want to stay off the back, and they but they don't expect to be fighting for fourth because they've come from a long way behind from last year. So they've got a lot of work to do, but I think they will be more encouraged than they thought they would be, if that makes sense.
5: Yes, that does make some sense. Uh, we need to talk about Schrodinger's cat. Doing why is it, is it there or not? Nico Hülkenberg. What's he right. been uh, alluding to?
2: Obviously Schrodinger's cat, but I've no idea how.
5: Uh, grid Girls.
2: Oh, because they weren't there. We were uh kids instead.
5: And uh, without grid girls, it's Formula 1, Formula 1?
2: Yes. There weren't grid girls in 1951 either.
5: Did you notice that there were no grid girls?
2: Uh, yes, I noticed there were no grid girls, when because the bit which I really hated was the bit where they line up and clap the drivers onto the podium didn't happen. They're not quick girls, though,
5: are they? They're they were they were the girls.
2: Well, no, they, had, they had all the grid girls lined up and they, they kind of a you know a guard of honor type of thing clapping. Them. And I thought I didn't really mind nor notice. um I I think it's an anachronism. I haven't got a problem with the, if the people involved dressed. Um, you know, well, but most of them are now in mean, F1. Would dress quite you know uh, respectably. I think the days of the light, you know, three pieces of light grid and that's it are, are long gone. But And I also see the argument about some women making their their, their living out of it and they've lost a bit of livelihood. But I think on the whole, as we said, I think grid Kids is a better idea and I didn't miss it.
5: Okay, uh, we need to play this jingle. It's Crown Court. ha! And... <laughs> and, <laughs> and And a name that I didn't think uh, I was ever likely <laughs> to come across <laughs> again uh, Gerhard Grukovsky. I
2: know it's not a Remind us who Ron Gerhard
5: Bernie's... is.
2: Gerhard is the man who um, uh, was who was the man who ended up with Bernie getting himself um, charged with bribery and corruption in Germany about three or four years ago with about the purchase, no, the a Labour bank, Labour's bank, who bought the, the remains of Kirsch and lost his huge amount of money on F1 in the first place. And he threatened to tell the world that Bernie had dodgy tax deals. And because Bernie didn't want to have dodgy tax deals exposed, even though he hadn't got any, of course, just, just to cause him some problems, he paid... Uh, Gerhard a large amount of money uh, which was then seen as a bribe I can't think why and to get off the charge of the bribe uh, Bernie bribed the German government for 99 million euros
5: that's uh, pretty much it uh, although I'm a little concerned about Legal the number count, of times Legal you used the, the word government bribe government. in that uh, explanation well, but yes at
2: no point was uh, Bernard Charles Eccleston convicted of any wrongdoing no. Uh he is completely innocent of all uh, of these charges, though he did pay €99 million Euros to the German government.
5: Yes. Uh, there were accusations of corruption in, and impropriety in the 2005 sale of Formula One to CVC Capital Partners, uh, for which Gerhard Gryptkovsky was the banker responsible for the sale of the controlling stake owned by uh, Beresha Landers Bank. Mm. Uh, and Eccleston did pay uh, nearly $100 million to the German government dollars, in 2014. Not euros. Did you say euros? Yeah, I said euros. I've,
2: I've, yeah, I've, 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 I've it,
5: well, I'd imagine in 2014 the dollar and the euro were pretty much even. <laughs> Possibly, uh, yeah.
2: So what is happening now? Um, one of the other banks is kind of... Is it a bank or is it I I can't remember who it is. It's Blue Waters Someone's Communications Limited. No, because you... you Yes, because you colluded with, you know, illegally in brodering and taking money, we didn't get a chance to buy F1 and you sold it to CVC and we missed out on money.
5: Would yes. be the answer to that one. That's pretty much it. Uh, so, Blue Waters had uh, offered to pay more for yes. Formula One back in 2005 than CVC did. Uh, but CVC. Uh, took control uh, and uh, that was based on the fact that they promised to leave uh, Bernie Eccleston in charge and Blue Waters mm-hmm. didn't want that.
2: Well, that's a surprise, isn't it? Uh, um, <laughs> and How, I am when sure... When are we going to find
5: out uh, the outcome of this?
2: I, I generally don't know. When is it? Uh,
5: not for a very long time because this trial has been scheduled to begin on the 1st of October, 2019.
2: This year. Right. It's a bit of a, you know, Bernie's not as young as he was. It's a bit of a race against the Grim Reaper, this one, isn't it? It is. We'll get there first. Uh,
5: where else has there been a lawsuit by Blue Waters?
2: I have absolutely no idea. You are our legal expert. Please tell in
5: 2012, uh, mm-hmm. they filed a lawsuit in New York.
2: Did they? Who yes. against? was
5: Bernie again? Uh, and <laughs> uh, funnily enough, a judge dismissed it. it. <laughs> All right. So okay. in 2014, I'm sure this. Is... They appealed, and, and the judge dismissed it again, uh, saying the case could not be tried in New York. New York has no connection to the case, and New York has no connection to either CVC or uh, Bernie Eccleston.
2: That's a fair enough point. So while they now waiting four years to try it back in, they can try it.
5: Indeed. Uh, a very interesting uh, quote from the uh, judges uh, summing up in that 2014 appeal. He said... This case stems from the failure of a Jersey company to acquire the shares of another Jersey company from a German bank, allegedly because an Englishman bribed a German. New York's interest is minimal.
2: <laughs> well, that is true. Yeah. Uh,
5: so, yeah, a bit of, um, bit of a wait before we uh, get to hear any, any more on that. Uh, My
2: guess is that they uh, will pay to make it go away. And that's what they're aiming for.
5: Yes. That's assuming that uh, it's still going in um, 18 months' time when it's currently scheduled to uh, go yeah. to trial. And uh, anyone who knows uh, anything about trials uh, would know that that may well be further delayed.
2: Yes, yeah, I mean, it's a race now. Will that trial actually occur before Vijay malia's extradition hearing is actually heard?
5: Uh, yes, because we're expecting a result in uh, the Vijay Malia case this summer.
2: Yeah, that's never going to happen. Okay. There are many, many more appeals.
5: <laughs> uh, what does Mario Andretti think about uh, Formula One? Uh, He thinks it's not as exciting
2: as it should be and they should have done what IndyCar did. Exactly. Uh, And what did IndyCar do? I saw some posts. I saw a post from a very well-liked person who we all know very well who posted two or three times about, oh, you know, stick with IndyCar. It's got 20,000% more overtakes than F1. And I was thinking, since when did that become the arbiter of a good sport? Basketball has a hundred times more scoring than, than football. Is it a better sport? No. It's it's this whole concept of overtaking, and it's when it, it, and I, and I know I'm in the world of, of uh, endurance sports cars, but they go, oh, you go to a WEC race?" And there's a million overtakes. Yes, but they're all people overtaking cars in different classes. It's not actually an overtake. Yes, there are overtakes. And obviously, there are more than F one, but they are, if you take the say every hundred overtakes in a WEC, only one's probably for position. You know, the other ninety nine. Are effectively lapping someone, so I don't think. Yeah, and and the point about IndyCar is, IndyCar is not. This is not non-IndyCar because I very much enjoy the St. Pete race. IndyCar is a spec series, so with a spec series, you can decide what you want to make the cars look like, and they all look the same, and they are all the same. Well, they have got two different engine suppliers, but all effectively the same. So you're going to get you know, racing that is, in in a way, is closer. Is it artificially close? Discuss. You know, there's very a few multi-chassis environments out there now. Um, F1 is the pinnacle of motorsport. Everyone designs most of their own car. Uh, everyone designs their own dynamics. The rules at the moment are not brilliant, but they, the point about it is, it's not good. It's never going to be IndyCar. car. Even you whack off all the... Even you said to the, to the F1 teams, right, okay, for, for the 2021 regulations, you've got to have a single-plane front wing, a single-plane rear wing, and you can't do anything with the barge boards. That's it. Knock, off, knock yourself out. You're still not going to get the same level of overtaking interaction because the, the teams themselves will do completely different things with the same rules yes theoretically you get more overtaking yes theoretically you get a more even playing field but you wouldn't have 25 26 or in IndyCar's case 33 cars all with the same basics well exactly the same spec exactly the same aero with the only difference being a few horsepower in the in the two engines you know with, with the f1 hopefully you have at least four engines possibly five you've got everyone have a completely different aerodynamic design device wheelbase track the whole lot but they would be you know just having to be limited by a certain box so you can only have a single vein in front wing so i think you people are comparing you know apples with apples with eggs it's just not the same thing yes they're racing cars but one's a spec series and one is an open chassis series and those are completely different things what uh, so basically it's wrong what did indycar have to say about those comments I don't know, they probably just sat there stroking their beards, I have no idea. I mean, see, I, 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 none of that is a knock-on IndyCar, which has massively improved with the new regs. so I'm not in any way knocking them. They
5: said, we count overtakes in a different way to Formula One, uh, and uh, that's why we have more of them.
2: I'm sure you count them exactly the same way, did you overtake someone or not?
5: <laughs> you know. Uh, who would have switched the Formula One race in Melbourne off uh, if he'd been able to watch it on TV?
2: Max Verstappen. But instead of switching it off, he just spun it off. Yeah. That was a very, that was a very churlish statement from yeah I, I must admit, I think Max has not had a good week on a number of levels. He's been rubbish and then he's been churlish. Not a good combination. All right, what, Max, what, Max what, I'll let you who off. Who is, is Max Verstappen's most
5: recently uh, announced new sponsor? Ah, uh,
2: is it the series Grumpy Old Men?
5: It's a Dutch TV broadcaster.
2: Oh, is it? All right, OK. He's a very rich young man. He should start enjoying himself more.
5: Yes, I'm sure he does in his spare time. Uh, maybe that's why he uh, was a little bit off the pace in Melbourne. Possibly, who knows? Uh, and uh, what's Damon Hill been causing controversy about?
2: Uh, he's had a go at... Uh, was it Mercedes he had to go at? mercedes and ferrari Yeah, they had to go at them for being opportunists and dominating and spending all the money and making it you know uh unfair because they got all the money and then they snapped back at him saying oh you didn't mind when you were winning with the Renault." and these are oh, but i was running for williams who were a bunch of garage and they all got a bit it was quite a good little little spat it was quite pointless but it's that's better than pointing out bad graphics on twitter and nice little spat like that
5: Uh, He said, Ferrari and Mercedes are acting in concert to try and create conditions under which they would stay in the sport. If you'd have accused them of working together in the past, they'd have denied it. But now here they are, paired up nicely to try and get conditions under which they continue to stay at the front of the pack. It's a sport that should be trying to create at least the opportunity for all of the competitors to have a reasonable chance of competing.
2: Because that's always been the case in F1, hasn't it? It's always been the case. Come on, people honestly damon you know better than that yes we are in a situation where what has happened is mercedes have done a, have, have a lot of money but they've also done a blooming good job we have seen plenty of f1 teams with bottomless pits completely mess it up toyota i'm looking at you you know it's not it, a to b doesn't equal c the cash it obviously massively helps but it doesn't it isn't always necessarily going to happen red bull got a very, a very very large budget and they are third and have been for a while
5: uh, let's move on to two wheels. The oh, on, second round of the uh yes. World Superbike Championship took place at the Chang International Circuit in uh, Buriram uh, in Thailand uh-huh. at the weekend.
2: And we had absolutely expected a easy win for Johnny Ray back on form in the first race. No.
5: Oh no, he the, won first the first race. race. Yeah, yes.
2: and that's it, and it's okay. Everything's back on it's back, back, back we wanted. Ma, Ma, Marco Malandro didn't 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 do, didn't do particularly well, and this is Marco's problem. Is he can't put. He you know, had a great weekend in, uh, in Philip Island, but he doesn't seem to be able to, to be good at every track, and that's difficult to win a world championship. You're not good at at least most of the tracks. So Joey Ray won the first one, and we were going, "Oh, that's fine." And then in the early hours of Sunday morning, we had a massive upset. Um, not, the, not so much the winner, which is Chaz Davis. Um, Chaz has won a number of races, but we had second and third. Also, oh, in the first race, to point out, Leon Cameo managed to get on the podium in a Honda, which is not the first time. That's happened in goodness knows how long. Um, and then the second race, we had both the Yamahas on the podium in second and third. I think Marco Vandermark beat Alex Lowe, didn't he, for second and third? Um, and Johnny Ray was fourth, and his teammate Tom Sykes retired because both of them developed a weird braking problem. Now, goodness, I what they did, in, the team did in between um, the first race and the second. But whatever it was, it was a complete mistake because apparently it was, it was dangerous. Sykes decided to retire. Johnny Ray apparently managed to find a way around it after 13 laps of not having any brake pressure he could rely on. So effectively, you go for the brake and you don't know what you're going to get. You're going to squeeze it really hard. And so, which on a motorbike, hence the reason he missed a lot. Corners ran wide, couldn't um, compete uh, on that race race two but that means he's has been four but you kind of you kind of beg us believe of what exactly happened you know because the braking systems in bikes yeah race bikes no abs it's pretty simple stuff you know it is a caliper connected to a master cylinder powered by the man's hand um there's no real trickery to it um so they must have had someone must have put some parts back together again wrong and done it on both of them and and Sykes' bike was just a bit more dangerous or he just frightened himself a little bit more so he retired and Ray managed to find a way around it he said it's slightly improved towards the back end of the race and so he came back came in the second half race back up to fourth which has actually put him in the lead overall um unfortunately Eugene Laverty had a very large crash with oh I've forgotten here when they were Ducati's I think one of the the, the, uh, privateer Ducati's and he's broken his uh, pelvis. This. Sounds very uncomfortable. Was it? Was Who it, no, was he, it? He, he was, no, it might be in the Aprilia actually. He's on the Augusta, isn't it? Um, but he's broken his pelvis, so he has tweeted those hospital thumbs up pictures. Um, so we you know he's, he's on his way to recovery. I think it's unlikely he'll be back for Motuland Aragon, which is the next race. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's kind of thrown the. Whilst Johnny now is overall in the lead of the championship but it's taken him two events to do it by, by only two points from Melander. but obviously you know I think he's got rather than having 100 points like he would normally have at this stage of the season he's only got about 66 so 69 I think he's got so it's very open I think it was very encouraging to see the Yamahas do well because you know there's been some changes to World Superbikes this year and they've tried to make things a little bit more even by almost I suppose they've had a motorcycle balance performance haven't they Tim they've, they've fiddled with yeah. the engines, and we all thought the Yamaha would be up there because they are getting quite a bit more, bit more money. That's one of the reasons what works interest. We all thought be up there in, in Phillip Island and they were nowhere, but they did manage to get themselves back on the pace effectively, or right, I didn't win, but they got a bit closer. And so you kind of think, well, that's good. Um, you know, obviously if there hadn't been a break problem for the Kawasaki, they'd have been up there, but we see we, so effectively, you know, if we if we could get three teams regularly, you know, fighting rather than what it has been, it's been two teams, but we're two teams of one absolute standout rider for the last three years. You know, Chats Davis has gone on a couple of runs a couple of times, but just couldn't put together a, a consistent season. Too many fallings off because he's been so much on the limit. If we could get three teams in there, you know, it's it, I think it's it's, it's uh, you know, it t- changes the whole dynamic of the, the and event. also, we've if,
5: got four teams because if Leon Camier can continue to be just off the podium, yeah, but the, in the, the, the Honda,
2: very down on power. Apparently, I mean, I, I was... I, yeah, people who know what they're saying so, so they have to do. so you need any circuit that's quite power hungry it's going to be much more difficult to do anything about it so the twisty the twisty turny tracks um you know depending they can get the low down grunt right but it's not got the top end power apparently i mean I'm like, this is not me my observations and stuff I've, i'll be a person i've read that i i, I this is passed on information because looking at the bikes i always go i'm still going you're all insane not not worrying about who's got the most power um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, and, and, and yeah, th- there's a possibility for any of the other manufacturers to, t- to, to tip up and, and, and get the occasional result. But if we can have three teams fighting regularly with six riders. And it looks like Marco van der Marko Aks, loads of evenly matched as well, which is mm. a nice to have an interesting battle as well. Um, it makes the whole thing just a little bit more – it's just more dynamic. And that, in fairness World super that's what they've been trying to do. They've had this, this domination by British riders, which is coincidental with much more domination by Kawasaki and they're just trying to make it a little more even they're not trying to you know stop Kawasaki being better because they've done a really 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 good job but they're just trying to make it a little bit more even a little bit more quickly rather than waiting for the natural cycle which takes three to five more seasons to roll back round so I'm um, but it was a very pleasing event um for people who like the sport you know I, I mean, obviously I'm British so I like the Brits to win but it was very pleasing to Mark and Amanda, Amanda Mark do well it's really good to see Mark and Malandry win two races last time out so it, it's good to see a more you know I'll be absolutely honest with you. I, I, I would love to see a British rider win, but I want to see him win by one point in the last race. Uh,
5: Melandry didn't have a great weekend at all, um, considering that his teammate
2: won. No, he, both he, had races, a, did he? he also had a hand, he had a weird handling balance, and he had a rear tire issue or a rear end issue. I think he, had, he might be in the swing arm, so he wasn't very happy and he he lost a hatful of points. But luckily, he's got a hatful of points to lose. So There's only two points off the lead, and if he can just get that consistency back. Then the, you know there's there is a chance he could he could mount. I, I see. I, I still do see Chas Davis is more likely to mount a, a season. If you if you what well, I would say is at the end of the season, I think Chas Davies will have more points, but Milan will have more wins. That's what I think will happen.
5: Yes, I think that's fair enough. Uh, at the moment, though, it's two apiece. Uh, the rider, other rider involved in the Eugene Laverty incident, was Torres. Uh, oh, right, on the yeah. Augusta.
2: And then, and, Flores isn't he? it's Xavier Flores is doing brilliantly. the uh, semi-private uh, yes. Ducati He's third overall so that's, that is a, a really interesting uh, and very f- good performance by someone coming out and admittedly that semi-works Ducati is apparently the same bike but hey-ho you know you've, got, you've still got to make it work haven't you you still got to have a team who can develop it and, and, and set it up so that's, that's another good thing because you know, the, the, these, these riders who are coming through are getting a little bit more of a chance for their, for their moment in the sun whereas you know, for the last two years it's been a, a bit of a green steamroll with occasional tracks with Ducati one
5: uh, Nick Damon, thank you very much for joining us tonight. Will you be back on next week's midweek motorsport? Uh yeah, I will.
2: I've logged mark in the shed, so I get to say still to come on midweek motorsport.
0: I've just stepped outside the press room here at Mount Panorama Bathurst, where we'll be here for the High Tech Oil 6 hours this weekend. A few of the cars just being trailered in still. He's a, uh, a of road transporter full of uh, two or three cars, four cars, five cars on that one, in fact. And oh, that's part of the Hyundai field that we'll be talking about with Richard Crail later in this hour as he takes us through the runners and riders. Also, having a chat with the man who originally brought Radio Show Limited to the mountain for the 12 hours, uh, James O'Brien, joining us a bit later on. And also coming up, Graham Goodwin, editor of DailySportsCar.com, and a bit more. From Tim Greer, of course, who's up and over in London. Midweek
5: Motorsport on RS One. And just to prove we're live, it's one nil in both the football matches going on tonight. Uh, John, you're now indoors at Bathurst. Who do you have with you? Well,
0: I've moved into the Inner Sanctum team, actually, and about only about uh, 10 metres or so, maybe a bit less than that from where we normally broadcast. Uh, But this is the event office, and the event organiser is James O'Brien from Yeehaw Events. Uh, James, welcome to Midweek Motorsport. Thanks for having us here, of course. this place at Bathurst, you know, you've been involved in it now for quite a long time. It's an extraordinary place and, and clearly the six hours is becoming a more and more important event for the for the national competitors.
3: Yeah, thanks for reminding me, John. Uh, welcome to the country. Yes, 20 years this year, actually, I've been coming here. Uh, back when we only had one event here a year, obviously the big one, the Bathurst 1000. So now we've got four events here a year and three of them endurance races. So yeah, we've come a fair way. Uh, and the, the six-hour, um, you know, the background to it, John, in terms of uh, these cars were at the 12-hour. 12 12-hour 12 went to GT3, GT, and uh, these guys sort of got squeezed out and uh, they were keen to have their own race again, so we, we gave them half the distance and said you can have six hours. Over the Easter weekend, which, of course, was the original date for the liquid Moly Bathurst, 12
0: hours, this is the high-tech oils six hours, so in... Already, in the first three years you 've attracted a sponsor you 've got big grids here. The lure of the mountain
3: is just extraordinary isn't it it is uh, it's hard to describe really, but um, you know most of the grids on any of the categories here, particularly the sport categories, pretty much double at the mountain compared to uh, to elsewhere so it 's an absolute bucket list and you know I was looking at the numbers today in terms of we've got two hundred and ninety one cars here this weekend um, but I, I like looking at the breakdown for uh, state by state and, and international and um, you know, there's plenty of cars from Western Australia which mm. for some of you viewers might not know it's not really part of the country it is Stop but it. it's a hell of a long way away Stop so uh, so um, and these guys have trailed those cars literally across the whole of Australia that's right you know nothing nothing like a five-day road trip to, to get to the mountain for a couple of days of belting around and then uh, drive home again
0: that's that's quite a big commitment there, but it, it seems, you know, you and I were talking earlier in the week, and, you know, it seems as though that people still want to do it. As you say, it's a bucket list type of thing. There's only a certain amount of days you can race on the mountain, which makes it al- almost more extraordinary that we've got such great facilities here. And we've got to commend Bathurst Council for continually supporting motor racing here.
3: Definitely. It's, uh, you know, Council own the circuit and. You know, the circuit itself is is world class because it's legendary, um, and the amenities are as good as as they can do with the funds available. Um, you know, it needs more money spent on it, um, but they've done a great job over the years with limited assistance. So they pretty much have to uh, maintain the circuit themselves. And you're talking about a, a Bathurst is only a town of 35,000 people. You know, it's a it's a small region. So. Um, yeah, it's a big job they do. They do a great job. They understand the importance of it, and I think they've been rewarded. In, in terms of um, instead of having one show a year, they've now got you know, three shows a year plus a plus a fourth event.
0: The,
3: the Bathurst One Thousand, obviously,
0: is one of those blue riband events anywhere in the world, and as far as Australia is concerned. You know, probably second only to Ashes Test Matches and horse racing and the grand final, the footy grand final. Um, the, the, all of those are right up there and Australia pretty much stops for that. Um, I find it extraordinary that that used to be the only event here. How, how many more events could this place stand and, and what do you think of expanding? We're now up to four major events a year and we'll talk about them individually in a moment. But it, is there room for something
3: else? Well, there's room for one more event because um, this is a public road. As we're looking out the window now, John, you can see residents and others driving around the track. So it's a public road for uh, the majority of the year and it can only be closed under uh, an Act of Parliament five times a year. Right. So to answer your question, there's one uh, one more show able to be held here under the current legislation. That was all... Compromised initially on the fact that obviously the disruption to the residents, etc. Yes. But council have actually um, purchased a number of properties over the years here, and they've built a number of roads internally. So there's now only. Um, I might be slightly up, but it's four or five residents that do not have alternate access. Ah,
0: this is why we see on the timetable, the roads open for residents access, absolutely timed. But as you're saying, the majority now have an alternative way of getting in and out, a back road or, or, or something else. What would, I mean, would you like to be part of the, the fifth event and, and what, what potentially could that be? There was, there's been talk for a while about bringing motorcycles back here.
3: Yeah, that that's not going to happen on this circuit the way uh, safety has uh, has improved over the years in terms of the regulations. So, motorcycles won't be back here anytime soon. However, there is a second circuit about to be uh, uh, to be launched. So, is that going to happen? Uh, that's a question for the mayor of Bathurst. Perhaps you can get him in on Sunday uh, yeah. during the telecast. He'll mm. be here. Uh, my understanding is it will happen. That the funds are there, and council are determined to proceed wow. with it. Yeah. Um, is now there, I is the, the original questions. Well, <laughs> what, well, I've moved on from there. Anyway, to be honest, um, the, the the fifth event,
0: what could it possibly okay. be? And the, the the I suppose the additional question to that is, with a permanent, a more permanent circuit being proposed and possibly turning up, is there a danger of taking some of that mythology we talked about away from Bathurst and Mount Panorama?
3: I think, in an ideal world, the fifth event would be an historic event. Similar to uh, a Goodwood type uh, arrangement, but in an Australian-flavoured event. Uh, they're already strong here in uh, in Melbourne and Phillip Island and elsewhere. Well, and we've
0: got the National Motor Museum on the final corner.
3: Correct. So, uh, you know, in an ideal world, that's it. That's what it should be. Um, I've got, I've got actually got goosebumps. <laughs> look, look at that. That's a quality idea. You heard it
0: first here on Midweek Motorsport,
3: ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> well, you know, I actually went to Goodwood back in two thousand and five. And, uh, well, I haven't disclosed this anywhere else, but um, the original concept of the Bathurst Motor Festival was going yes. to be a Goodwood-type event. Yes. So um, uh, it moved into something else, and, um, and so that, you know, the is still there for that. Failing that, uh, I would keep it as a floating fifth event for yes. special uh, activities there's always a manufacturer with a hundred year anniversary or a yeah, yeah. special car coming out or uh, I mean you could even get creative and uh, and have a multiple day event where a manufacturer took each day uh, there's yeah. a, a number of ways to cut it up but I, I would not be entering into a deal quickly for that fifth event knowing that it is the last yes. event on the calendar and you don't want to cannibalise the other events that's uh, got to fit in. With uh, it. And
0: is there a danger then of that supplementary question that if there was a a permanent circuit here, would that potentially um, just eat into that mythical Bathurst, Mount Panorama ethos that we've got, because of the fact that you can't get on it so much? Presumably because it was, I'm kind of answering my own question here, but with a
3: different different circuit, I suppose it has to have a different character. The answer is, I don't believe it will, because quite frankly, they won't be on the Ah. Circuit, they'll be on a circuit on a side of Mount Panorama in right. terms of uh, the terrain, but it's not the Mount Panorama circuit, so uh, it I'm sure so it'll be like the run. difference
0: between the Bugatti circuit at Le Mans and the Le Mans 24 Hour circuit in point of fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fair comparison. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, okay, love it, love it a bit. Now, we've talked about four events that are happening already, everybody knows the Bathurst 1000 for supercars um, quite a lot of people now know about the liquor Moly bath 12 hours we're hoping to let more people know about the high-tech oil six hours that's three the fourth one is i think a genius idea so congratulations it's called challenge the mountain and it comes late in the calendar year uh, right at the start or pretty close to the start of the summer and is, well, will you tell me the whole concept of Challenge the mountain.
3: Sure. So that's our tagline. So the event's Challenge Bathurst. And uh, the concept is to give motor racing enthusiasts from right down at club level, track level, uh, through to professionals if they, you know, to come up here, the opportunity to cut laps around the mountain. So it's two days of sprint, which... Uh, Uh, It can be uh, road cars or race cars, uh, different groups, different speed differentials, serious guys, not so serious guys. And there's no time limit there, and they push out uh, 20-minute sessions. They get eight of those over two days. And then there's two days of regularity, which are more road cars, Mm. club-level guys, Mm -hmm. two minutes 36 lap time minimum, and they pedal around for... uh, So that's aimed... The the
0: regularity, the second part of that, that's aimed at guys maybe who's got a nice road car, not too extreme, who maybe do a track day once in a while and want to do something just a little bit different. Because those guys, would there aren't track days here at, at Mount
3: Panorama because of the restrictions. So that's the only time they can do that. Yeah, that's right. So... Um... You know, a lot of these guys, I met them last year. They, they don't even bother with track days elsewhere. It was, uh, really? you know, it was special to be able to come here and do do that. Um, others obviously do track days, but it was interesting talking to guys in the regularity last year who'd never been here before. That just the joy. They're just so thrilled to be here, and it's a bug. It's contagious. Mm. They're coming back, and they might uh, they might come back and step up into sprint, and then nice. those guys become club races, and those guys become state level races, and that's it's a pathway yeah. from the from the bottom, through potentially to you know GT3 type machinery, if you've got the dough. Yeah, <laughs> well, and there, and there's
0: the rub, of course. Uh, finally, James, let's bring it back to this weekend and the High Tech Oils uh, Bathurst Six Hours. This is a race for improved production um, cars here in Australia, and there is a huge and rich history of that category of racing. What in particular, should our international audience who perhaps haven't seen too much of this type of racing, what should they be looking out for
3: and what do you think will catch their eye? Crikey, John. You've got an easier question than that. Um, hopefully 62 cars taken to the grid on, on Saturday. It's real class-level racing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, the pointy end of the field, the, uh, the A1, A2, B1, B2, they're all pretty similar. So you can sort of say, certainly the top three classes are all potential outright cars? I think right. we had a B1 win the race two years ago, a B1 car. Okay. So, so they're pretty similar. And then you know, CD and E are, are your lower level cars. But it, so it's it's really class level racing, yes. uh, battles within themselves, yeah. um, and uh, a lot of grassroots motorsport competitors who, uh, you know, might run at state level round. So they're not, yeah, you know, they've been around. But this is a step up for them to to run around here. Not just the demands of the circuit, but all the preparation required the hoops they've got to jump through and and, and, uh, over um so uh yeah i find it quite fascinating it's it's very similar to the 12 hour it's just that it's everything's a bit slower that's all you know including in the pits so different rules in the pits there's not the pressure in the pits we want to make it a safe environment so keep the manning the team personnel down they're not professional mechanics and tire changes so we we, the race is on the circuit not in pit lane Uh, Support
0: categories here, we'll talk about that um, in a bit more detail over the the weekend, of course, but there is one I want very quickly, and I know that we're running out of time here with with Tim over uh, in London, but I've got to talk about... I saw one coming in this morning on the back of a trailer. It looked like... um, Sir Paul Smith had been at it, and it was a little Hyundai Coupe, um, little Hyundai, and there's going to be, what, 55
3: Hyundais racing against each other this weekend in their own race. Yeah, that's right. They've they just sort of sprung up in the last couple of years. Um, it, it's, uh, it's really affordable mo- motor racing. They say it is the cheapest form of motor racing there is. <laughs> you know, I think five grand will get you a car and, uh, and, and a, you know, an old car, and uh, they might be exaggerating a little bit, but... Um, uh, yeah, that's it's funny. They're a category who weren't really on my radar. Um, they are eligible to be here. Mm-hmm. They're running elsewhere. They're getting big numbers elsewhere. Mm-hmm. They seem to be well managed, even though they're you know a, uh, an amateur organisation. So uh, that's the beauty of this type of event, where you can give a category like that the opportunity to to come up here. So they have gone. Thank you very much. We'll put our best foot forward. They're, as I said, they're well organised. They have got a full grid, and um, and uh, I think this. 11 of those blokes are from WA. Wow. Yeah. So they have they have done that cross-country
0: thing. James, brilliant stuff. You and the team have put together a great event. It's great to be here. I know we're still quite early on in the week, but I can't wait for the cars uh, to roll out. And thanks for giving us the chance to be involved in it. And just a reminder uh, that uh, the video stream for you international viewers and listeners will be live all day Sunday, so that includes some of the support racing as well. And we're uh, going to... Get some audio coverage as well uh, of the earlier sessions and uh, try and keep you up to date with everything that's happening here from Bathurst and Mount Panorama for the high tech oils. Bathurst six hours. James, thanks very much again.
4: Thanks, John.
5: And back here in London, I'm joined by the editor of dailysportscar.com, uh, Mr. Graham Goodwin. Good evening, Graham.
4: Good evening, Tim, and good evening, everybody. Uh,
5: so let's have a look at what's going on uh, in Europe and uh, let's start in Yorkshire because uh, there have been two announcements from the same team in the last six days. Uh, today's is the most recent one and one that we kind of knew already, isn't it? Uh, Juan Pablo Montoya will race at Le Mans.
4: There's only Juan Pablo Montoya, isn't that? There? there can only be, be Juan. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It was mentioned uh, actually in French media first and foremost, uh, coming out from the paddock at Sebring. Mentioned that Juan Pablo was uh, under offer, if you like. He was uh, was considering an offer uh, to do the Le Mans 24 hours. That's now come to pass. Uh, that's great news uh, that we're going to see him. We're going to see uh, him in the car that will be Wayne Boyd's uh, uh, steed for the European Le Mans series, but Wayne will and step aside. And the
5: other announcement for, from the team this week,
4: Director Mundo, there will be two further announcements from that team before the end of this week. So watch out uh, on your favoured sports car racing media. That, of course, will be daily sports car. Um, that uh, that you will be seeing two more announcements from uh, United Order Sports before the end of the week. So Charlotte Lumley and the team there have been very, very busy indeed over the last few days and will remain busy, of course, because they're going to be uh, looking after their mighty... Um, Uh, squadron of uh, LMP cars uh, not next week but the week after when we get to the ELMS prologue Uh,
5: What's the motivation for Montoya here? Is he seeing uh, the threat from Alonso in uh, maybe getting to the Triple Crown before him?
4: And I've heard he's just a massive fan of steak and frites, to be honest with you. So it's it's simply that he's realized there is the opportunity for much barbecue in the sunshine, we hope, in France. Of course, it's the Triple Crown. Um, you know, the uh, the most interesting contribution, I think, to this story came from your friend of mine, Marshall Pruitt, uh, in the aftermath of those early reports. He spoke to Juan Pablo and he made it very clear that, look, what this was effectively was a sighting mission. Uh, he's looking for the opportunity with the new rules to come in 2021, uh, with the potential Juan Pablo thinks of uh, seeing DPI or some evolution of that at the Le Mans 24 hours, that he might have the opportunity to snatch that triple crown from his mate Fernando Alonso's grasp. Uh, so it's, uh, it, you know what, this could be pretty interesting, couldn't it, over the next couple of years? Uh,
5: yes, indeed. Uh, let's go back we mentioned it already wayne boyd will be uh racing the uh ligier in the uh in the european Le Mans series for uh, united auto sports uh moving yep. up from lmp3 last season
4: and that's, that's that's gonna you know it's a strange thing when you do what yeah we do and we kind of come through and do a weekly show like this and i'm plowing through news day in day out that start of that season is very close indeed now. Uh, It's coming towards us at a rapid rate, it feels like. We've got Easter weekend, obviously this weekend. Then we've got the prologue for the WEC. The weekend after that is the start of the European Le Mans series uh, season. And Wayne Boyd, I'm delighted to say, uh, you know, after taking the title in... Um, in uh, LMP3, steps up to LMP2 for the LMS season. That's great stuff uh, from the United World sportsman. He is going to be super quick, I'm sure, in that liché. And it's going to be a great field for Johnny Palmer and I to call through at uh, Paul Rickard.
5: Uh, we've had a team unveiling a livery in the WEC this week as well. Project one, it's black and yellow.
4: Yeah, Project One, I mean, the, the car that most people will be familiar with in motorsport history over the past 25 years, because this is their, uh, their silver jubilee, uh, the 25-year um, anniversary of Project One and Ptolemyth and uh, various other names that go under, is the Deutsche Post uh, one-make uh, Porsches, and it's the same kind of colours. It's that really very nice kind of goldy-yellow and uh, what do you call that colour? A gunmetal, Tim? I think it is, I'd call it it look... black, it's
5: called it DHL black,
4: yeah, because it's not quite black, so. is it? It's it's not quite black, but it's it's going to be a very good looking car. Uh, uh, the, so the pictures that the team put out of their reveal, another great word, um, that uh, that that's unveiled the delivery. It looks remarkably similar similar in colour to the Deutsche Post uh, Deutsche Post car, the one mate car unveiled alongside it this afternoon. Uh, whether or not we're going to see Deutsche Post on that car, I've been told there might be some some, uh, DHL livery on it, Uh, but bumped into one of the drivers of that car, Ejidio Buffetti, um, was uh, getting some early practice in with Sebring uh, by taking part in the uh, Kuro Cup US at Sebring uh, just, what, so two weekends ago. So these guys are taking it seriously. Patrick Lindsay, um, Ejidio Buffetti, and, of course, uh, the evergreen Jorg Bergmeister, I wonder if these guys could pull a couple of surprises out there. Egidio is pretty quick uh, in a Porsche. He's been doing a lot of one-make Porsche racing over recent years, and then quite a bit of P- a GT3 racing in a Porsche, too. So it's a big step up to GTE, rather less
5: But they are familiar with of- the Porsche. All of they're children, familiar of of with the
4: P- Porsche, but… but, 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 but yeah, but I think own of the three apart from some early season testing uh, only Jörg Bergmeister I think has driven the RSR the mid-engine car uh,
5: last weekend we had the first round of VLN uh, slightly snow delayed but uh, <laughs> they uh, got started in the end uh, only 40 minutes late and uh, and uh, what do we think of the first race of the year
4: um, well, number one, fantastic coverage again. Great to to see uh, live uh, in sound and vision. Great to hear the dulcet tones of Messrs. Trusswell and Palmer, uh, Johnny Palmer. You know, he, he, the problem with Johnny is he just he just doesn't enjoy motorsport, does he? He does not. I think not. it's one of those things. It, it's not it's not his thing. I think he, he, he should probably move the on. The
5: whole of Saturday worrying yeah. that he might be late to his uh, trip to the theatre that evening. Did he yeah. another
4: musical? Oh, dear me. But no, it was a great race. Um, it was, of course, a Monty uh, win. The first ever win in, a, in, in his Porsche factory uh, career for Laurence Van And um, it's, you know, I, I thought a cracking, uh, cracking battle for me, though. Mm. vln at this time of the year is less about the overall race and more about what's happening further down the order um by the way we should mention uh the lawrence van tour could of course have had his first win uh, almost exactly a year prior to that yes. you may well remember tim in the late race um lappery um with lawrence driving for the falcon tire team uh, last year uh, a big shunt towards the end of that lap uh, taking lawrence out of contention when leading the race but For me, it's about looking further down because a lot of what VLN in the early part of the year, as well as the championship running, and that's pretty spectacular, is about what plans are coming forward for later in this year or even in future years. The the kind of genesis of the ring permit means that it's always worth a look down the order to see whether or not there's some interesting names. And boy, were there some interesting names. Well, can Uh, I
5: suggest one of them because last last year... Uh, after the N24 last year, there were two VLN races where we saw the presence of a certain Tracy Crone. And we two did. races is not enough, but we saw him again this weekend.
4: We did, and actually a very, very good uh, finishing position for Tracy and uh, Nick Johnson. His ever presence, almost, you know, it's it, it. They're all. I wonder whether or not there's a bit of a bromance there, been going on for well over a dozen years now. In the SP7 class, a nine gt3 cup they came second in class in that uh, in that car so 32nd place overall and another crushingly disappointing 173 car entry yeah uh, but uh, i wonder with the news breaking just a couple of weeks ago that uh, tracy and nick were back again for another crack at the le mans 24 hours whether or not they're you know it's it's clearly a bit of an attack on both the nurberg ring and at Le Mans, I wonder whether or not we might see them uh, pop up somewhere for Spa as well. Ooh. There's might be interesting, might something. be. The one that actually, t- a peak, the two that piqued my interest, to be honest with you, one, on. mentioned actually by John just a few moments ago, was actually nothing to do with uh, the sports car side of things, but the talking- TCR and
5: Hyundai. Uh, Hyundai's yes.
4: Yes, and uh, a pair of i30 TCRs, I think both of them had a bit of woe during the race, uh, but um, the both of them featured a couple of well-known names. We see this quite often, by the way, in VLN racing, particularly when there are signatures to get for that ring permit. Um, but both Nicola Larini and Gabriele Tarkini were entered uh, twice in a pair of Hyundais. They finished third in the TCR class in one of those cars. Now, we know, I think I'm right, that uh, Tarkidi is... A full season driver for WTCR, yes, uh, for Hyundai. So it's a fair assumption that he is getting some practice in ahead of the uh, Nürburgring 24 Hours supporting uh, TC WTCR race on the main circuit. But does this mean that he's going to do double duty and perhaps do the 24 Hours as well with fellow Italian superstar Nicola Larini? You know, lots still to kind of look for and savor there
5: do we think that Lavini will go for the n24 this year
4: um i wouldn't be remotely surprised it would be a cracking thing for uh, what what seems to be the rise and rise of uh, hyundai's profile in motorsport and i think that can only be a good thing we've seen them debuting a range of cars in recent years of course of last was there we had the first of the n series cars with the i30 it was a global debut there too tcr cars coming now in numbers for Hyundai. But you know what? For those of us that love those OEMs to just step up and step up again and step up again, that can only be a good thing. We keep hearing, don't we, Hyundai being whispered as potentially stepping up to something very, very much more serious Mm. in terms of global motorsport. I'd love to see it because more and more, their cars look look like the real deal. Um, You know, there seems at the moment to be a bit of a, a, a kind of genesis for BBC's Top Gear programme with a new team I think really beginning to gel and I did tune in uh, on Sunday and watched and listened to their assessment of the uh, the N Series I-30 and it got a cracking review. Would they be welcome in sports car racing? You, you bet your bottom dollar they would be. Uh, I think that would be a cracking name to see and there's some good opportunities to see that coming with new rule sets coming in a sensible amount of time to
5: plan. Uh... One thing that you may not have spotted, because it was quite a long way down uh, in the H2 class, uh, there was an Opel Calibra uh, yeah, driven by Carlos someone Tavares. who shouldn't have been driving an Opel.
4: Uh, Carlos Tavares. Uh,
5: more than a woman. Pardon? Tavares. 70s I Oh, no, reference. no
4: apologies. No, no, I did spot it. Um, he, uh, he did finish it. It was a 621 car. Uh, now, of course, they haven't they just bought Opel Vauxhall i think they have. they have so he's actually the boss now so maybe he's just looking at uh, here's one you could have bought back in the day <laughs> that class rather o- oddly uh, uh, one by the H class is for more historic older cars one of course by the Foxtail Manta uh, which has probably got more class wins there than any other car in history by now uh, it's it, it, it's it's it's, it would be great to see Carlos Tavares, wouldn't it come back and race in that little car, uh, for the Nürburgring 24 hours. It's got a fine, fine history, that race of actually having big wigs from big car companies, uh, you know, taking part in the race itself. We've seen it from Aston Martin. We've seen it, of course, with Toyota Gazoo racing. We've seen it from VW. We've seen all sorts of people pop up in, you know, cars coming from effectively their factory day outs and, uh, Tavares would be extremely welcome in that company the one i will mention though was my last last offering here was way 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 down uh, the order it was um a non-finisher and it was in a bmw m235i cup car and that okay. was one merco Mir- bought a ah, and, yes.
5: And,
4: I, and who is merco a factory driver for uh not
5: bmw
4: no, it would be Lamborghini. Now, I've had a chat with Lamborghini and said, um, "You know, come on, then, what's all this about? Maybe, you know, a green car. Maybe not this year. Maybe next year." The answer was from them: their man simply ticking boxes to the ring, permits doing this for fun. Uh, that might well be true in twenty eighteen, but we're for not going to see us- a
5: Lamborghini Hurricane at uh, at uh, the end twenty four. Oh, you will, Hurric- you will
4: see Lamborghini Hurricane. You will see Lamborghini Hurricanes there because there is going to be a sheety, tired. Um, super trofeo efforts with uh, some pro drivers aboard the car but could this be a bit of a sighting run to maybe see um, lamborghini putting in something approaching a factory effort to take on the german makes you know what i hope so because I'd, I'd love to see that that would be a cracker
5: uh the other endurance race at the weekend uh was in spain the circuit to Catalunya. And this one <laughs> didn't go quite, uh, I, again, it was uh, affected by the weather, wasn't it? Just
4: a touch, it had uh, shades of the 2013 race for the WEC at uh, at Fuji, which both John and I remember with with shudders.
5: Yeah, uh, I don't they did complete more laps than they did at Fuji, though, and uh, well, yeah. a lot more hours than they did at Fuji.
4: Yeah, they had to fuel the safety car as well, because I think it was was it three hours before the first red flag. Yes. And then back out again and still under the safety car. One of the things I gather that was going on, this is the V2V season opener, by the way, we're talking about, which has got a cracking grid this year. I think it's something like 19 LMP3 cars in the main race.
5: Well, we saw this um, at the end of last year, didn't we? That this is oh, really a hidden championship that no one talks oh, yeah, yeah, about yeah. and actually has some very good cars in it.
4: Well, you know what? There's a couple of uh, hidden gems and uh, Radio Show Limited and our, our friends and, and DSC with RJ O'Connell uh, helping massively, I know, to bring forward um, the Super GT Championship in people's uh, consciousness. Um, and, you know, I'm building big audience, uh, audiences for them by doing that. V2V, uh, thanks to the efforts of a number of people, not least Matt Fernandez. Good evening, Matt. I know you've been listening in. Uh, a hidden gem. Has been there for a long time with a very loyal following. From time to time, more high profile people have dipped in and, and popped in, popped out again. There's a number of teams that would be more familiar to European One series uh, listeners, and, listeners and viewers that are also there. So the uh, uh, Inter-Europol team, for instance, the Polish-German squad with the Norwich City Ligiers, I think now two-time champions in V2V, uh, but regularly field a couple of cars in the V2V championship. But they were amongst the teams that weren't very happy about the way this one ran. Uh, not least that they that they opted to start the race in terrible conditions. Mm. But before the tyre supply, and I think it's Michelin this year, for, for uh, they didn't have enough monsoon wets. So what that meant was that uh, the cars were circulating some of them with monsoon wets some without and as and when those wets monsoon wets were prepped and i think i'm right in saying for the tires that's supplied here you hand cut these to be monsoon wets but as and when those tires were ready the cars were being called in to change to monsoon wets and of course were then losing ground on the field they're dropping down the order because the, the order the uh, the cars are mm-hmm. actually circulating very close together so all in all not v2v's finest hour one i think they need to go away and think about does go to show though unless i'm wrong in this case the rain in spain did not fall mainly on the plane it no. fell mainly on the circuit de catalonia because it absolutely tipped it down
5: and do we know who was driving the safety car because that did win the race didn't it
4: i think it probably did by the way I should say as well in a spectacular not quite pointless press release of the week but, uh, well, there were two great press releases from this one. One that came from Be motorsport. If you've not seen that one, Tim, it's well worth a look, but the other one was one of the series press releases, which managed to actually declare the wrong car, the winner. Oh, yeah, not great. Uh, one, I think that the fine people at V2V would want to walk away from, hide themselves in a darkened room and have a quiet chat about it while they're there and come away and learn some lessons because, uh, that is the kind of thing that does lose your customers, and we don't want to see that happen from what has been a great customer-focused series. Uh,
5: their next round hopefully will be in better weather, uh, and that's at Manicor, is that? Am I correct in saying that? Uh, I'll
4: have to have a double-check of that one. Manicor for V2V.
5: Uh, yes, can it catch is. on the, the 22nd of April.
4: Excellent. My birthday. There you go. Fabulous. I won't be going to V2V for my birthday celebration. I can tell you that uh, very immediately but uh it, it you know if you do get a chance to you know i know a lot of listeners um do look for what's uh, what opportunities they've got to keep up with their motorsport fix perhaps when they're out on their travels and if you do see a v2v race that's close by where you're going to be pop in i think you'd be very pleasantly surprised it is a packed grid there's some teams and drivers of really high quality there and You'll also be looking in, I'm very sure of this, on a number of teams and a number of drivers that a year or two's time, we will be seeing step up the greasy pole of motorsports into the Michelin Le Mans Cup, into the European Le Mans Series, and who knows, into the World Endurance Championship in future years. So well worth a look.
5: Uh, Very briefly, you mentioned the uh, uh, Super GT Uh, just now and a Super GT driver has been confirmed as doing two historic races uh, in the UK this summer.
4: Yeah, well, keen viewers of the Midweek Motorsport Listers Collective Facebook page will know that this is not the first time this has been mentioned. Uh, By mistake, the um, uh, Patrick Peter, Peter Alto organisation announced that Jensen Button would indeed be competing in a Group C Jaguar Uh, But now we hear that Jensen's not only going to be doing that at Le Mans Classic this year, but also will be uh, competing in a car yet to be announced at the Goodwood Revival. Now, you know, Jensen's busying himself, actually, I think, very productively at the moment. Um, You may have seen a a story, I'm not quite sure, about a week ago, that he is funding a um, a, – Full highlights review of Super GT races this year, which is going to air on his YouTube channel and on DSC. Uh, so it'll be something like 50 minutes of highlights with some additional feature content. Keep an eye on that because Super GT, well worth a look, and lots of people who've been investing a lot of time, a lot of energy in making sure that that coverage comes to all of us in a way that is you know enjoyable to kind of pick up. A team or a driver or several drivers we'd like to follow and follow that through the season uh, I think a 50 plus minutes highlights package is an excellent addition to the offer and we'll see how that one goes going forward but uh, yet yeah, JB will be uh, competing in a Jaguar XJR 9 at uh, the Le Mans Classic which is great stuff, I can tell you by the way as a visitor mm-hmm. I'll be going there for the first time this year
5: Ooh. Never uh, been it's never nice the and sunny there, there.
4: Uh, I've never seen it rain there, so the guarantee now that it darn well will now that I'm going. Yes. But it'll be a quick dip in and out um, for for that with our good friends and travel destinations.
5: We don't have time for a pointless press release of the week this week, but if we did, it would have been uh, the championship racing this weekend that has uh, titled its press release uh, set for Easter Supercar Extravaganza. Uh, you right. know who you are. And don't do it again. Uh, Graeme Goodwin from com. Thank you very much for joining us.
4: Great stuff. Cheers. Have all of a good week.
5: And back to John in Bathurst.
4: Well, Richard Creel has
0: rejoined me, Tim, and we've got the entry list in front of us for the high-tech oils. Bathurst, six hours uh, at the weekend. Before you go
1: to that, I've actually just popped downstairs to the medical centre and no signs of food poisoning yet
0: okay for any driver for any driver let alone those in the Porsche regularity okay fine I'll keep you posted yes great thank you thanks a lot um let's talk about the, the history before we get into these cars let's talk about the the history of racing at Mount Panorama because you mentioned right at the start of the show that it's coming up to the big anniversary Easter weekend in 1938 was the time that competitive motorsports started right here well Just over there, I'm pointing on radio, that's not (laughs) going to work, is it? Um, No, it really isn't. Uh, Just over to our right is is where it started. Um, It's extraordinary to me that this place has endured in the amount of time, and again, the community, the council have played a massive, massive role in in that. How important is this place in the history of Australian motorsport, full stop, period, paragraph? Ah, I don't know how to explain that. It, it's everything i think you should see Creel's his face actually it's <laughs> I all it, he,
1: he was taken aback by that I, question I, I don't know how to answer it i don't think i'm qualified to answer it because i've only been a very very small part in the recent 10 or 15 years uh, it, it's everything this is it is you go you know places of the spiritual home lords is the spiritual home of cricket twickenham the rugby whatever it might be uh, th- this is the spiritual home of australian motor racing and no one will argue with that this is the genesis of it all and And not only is it still the oldest permanently operating racetrack here, um, even though it's a straight circuit, I'm using inverted commas, folks, but... um, Not a visual medium, apparently. Somebody uh, said to me once. Thank you, right. Um, (laughs) But it's it's everything. Um, The whole heritage of our sport is linked around this place. And even though the Bathurst 1000, as it was, the 500, started at Phillip Island, it didn't become a thing until it moved here and Mm. it grew stature here. And through that, the sport has grown... Motor racing was around before Bathurst was a thing, and if it stops, it, heaven forbid, it will be around afterwards. But this is this is the place. This is really the birthplace of it all on a big scale
0: in Australia. Is that why? Now we were talking about this with. Um, I was talking about this when I was next door with with James earlier on. Is that why the National Motor Museum's here? Because yeah. we were talking about a potential of a national, of a, a histo- an historic event coming coming here and using up that 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 spare date that there is. So the fact. That that is that the National Mortar Museum there isn't isn't a coincidence then. Yeah, no, and, and for sure, and the fact that the town
1: embraces it and yeah. embraced it in day one when they built the place, yeah. and embraced it ever since, and it's had its ups and downs, and there's been dramas and all the political stuff that the machinations that happen mm. behind the scenes, which will surprise no one that works in no, motor racing. No. Um, but through all of that, the city of Bathurst has supported it, and through the events have helped grow the city of Bathurst. I'm sure Mm. if there weren't as many large events here, there wouldn't be as many hotels in the town or eateries or might not be the same amount of people living here. Um, So it's very symbiotic the way I think they work with each other and that's the best part of it. So it's the logical place to to put the museum. You'll get more people go to it if it was in Melbourne, but it wouldn't mean as much and people make the pilgrimage to come to Bathurst. The museum's here, you drive a lap of the track... See the Peter Brock statue, which you first saw in oh. 2013, I remember that. Um, you go and stand at the top and see the view out from Reed Park.
0: It, you tick all of the boxes, and, okay. it, and it is a pilgrimage. Yeah, Always driving the right way around, even though it is two-way traffic, because anyone who drives the wrong way is just right-wired wrongly. That's
1: coming, it. I first came here in 06, 05, uh, correction. I've never, ever driven it the wrong way. Why would you? Why would you? It doesn't make sense, Not does it? Completely agree. It doesn't. Can I give you some history?
0: Yes, that's, that's Yes, exactly.
1: So 1938, right. so pre-war, well, just, mm-hmm. things are just mm-hmm. starting to get a little bit feisty over there in, uh, in Germany and in Poland region. Um, the were the diplomatic correspondent. The, the, first, the first ever race was actually on two wheels. Yeah. So cast your mind back to 38 when everything was in black and white. This place was a dirt track. So pre-bitumen, it was a dirt racetrack, no catch fencing, no safety rails. It had just been built. It was a project during the Depression to give people employment. Mayor Griffin, Griffin's Bend, put one and one together, um, and the local council and the local government funded it as a way to give people work and and create something for the town. Obviously, it was a cool way to go car racing as well. Um, The first race was a two-wheeled race. It was on April 16, Easter Saturday, and the very first race was the Junior Tourist Trophy. The actual event was called the Australian 150th Celebrations TT. So there you go. It's not doesn't have the Isle of Man ring to it, does it? But it's close. Uh, and a, a gentleman by the name of Leo Sheron was the first race winner at Mount Panorama. Two days later on Easter Monday, we returned for a car race, the Australian Grand Prix. The t- at the time, it was the 10th running of the Australian Grand Prix. Uh, on, on dirt. On dirt. Yep, 100%. Um, 6.1 kilometre circuit, pre-chase, and it was yeah. dirt, so it was all contoured a little bit differently. Uh, it was 40 laps, lasted two hours and 46 minutes. Jeez. So we do, 40 hour, we do 40 laps in an hour and 10 these days. E- even in production cars we do that. Ah. Um, and it, driving a 1.5-letter ARA, somewhat controversially, was won by an Englishman, ah. a gentleman by the name of Peter Whitehead. And my local sources have come up with a brilliant... Tale that oh, apparently right. happened. So, and I'm quoting here verbatim: "The parochial crowd. I should do this in the the parochial crowd um,
0: was and don't the kids uh, love it? Yes. Uh,
1: the parochial crowd was so dismayed at a wealthy foreigner winning that the mayor and the family were pummeled with local vegetable matter during the awards ceremony and had to bid a hasty retreat. So the animosity of
0: the ashes started a long time before we burned the urn,
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and the. Traditional greeting, therefore, of any politician on a motor racing uh, podium here in Australia started here as well then. Yes, correct. <laughs> yeah. Giving them the yeah. bird. Yeah. Jim, Jim, <laughs> Peter was ahead of his time. Jim Richards just followed it on about yeah, <laughs> 60 years later. Love it, love it. L- let's, let's talk about the, the entry list here. Um, it's wide and varied uh, and, and big, uh, including... Uh, and, you know, there are parallels here with Nurburgring no 24 with the small engine cars at the bottom of the field in terms of power. Um, The Class A compacts. I've just spotted a TBA here. I might have to go around and have a word with Mark Griffith and he's Toyota Echo. Um, These are, what, 1,500, 1,600cc cars. Um, Not necessarily the newest. Hyundai, Nissan, Suzuki, Toyota, Mazda. Um, Interesting. Those guys are not going to be in the overall standings at at the sharp end unless something very odd happens. But, you know, they're here to, to have a bit of fun, that's the class E compact. Uh, class D production, uh, 86s uh, dominating there with a couple of uh, with a Corolla and an Integra and uh, Kia Proceed GT. That'll be the new. Oh, well, 86s are about that. That's an interesting little class, that. But you said to me earlier when we were listening to what the guys were saying, um, that you were, you'd expect a few more 86s here, the word yeah. from last year. Wait, wait, eight. Last year,
1: Um, but I I think part of that, the first round of the One Make 86 series is two weeks away. Uh. So I think that might have kept some of them away. But yeah, they're they're a workman-like thing. We should mention, uh, this is a national production car regulation that CAMS, the governing body, have. So both the national series and the state-based championships follow the same set of regs. It's based on several things. Dollars is one. Capacity and yeah. sort of performance level is another. So the cars are, are categorised on that in terms of their eligibility. So, yeah, the Class E class is, is baby cars. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Mark Griffith. That is the same Mark Griffith that raced an AMG GT3 at the 12-hour, by the way, and he's in a Toyota Eco, which will probably, with all due respect to it, be the slowest car here. Anyway, I, I think that's fantastic. Um, yeah, Class D, the sporty 35 to 50 grand Australian sort of hot hatch yeah. style
0: class. Um, Class C. In top of that is the real hot hatches. Yeah, and I'm. So, you see, I I'd forgotten or didn't know in the first place that you had Renault down here. There's three Megane RSs, and those are tasty cars. I've seen those around tourist laps, tuned up and with cages in at the Nurburgring. Um, BMW. You, every. Virtually every class, is, except the bottom tier class, actually, everything else is going to have a BMW in somewhere. Um, Volkswagen, Chirotto R, and, and Nick will be delighted about this, an Alfa Romeo Giulietta QV. Now, I drove a QV, albeit a QV diesel, a couple of years ago, um, and did a big road trip on it with Joe Bradley. I was mightily impressed with that. And in this class as well, we see the first of the Imprezas, the WX06 year model. And, you know, that is a car that I immediately... Recognize and associate with Australian production cars. Yeah, and from the early
1: days of the 12-hour, and in fact, as we work our way up the classes, more of those cars will become <laughs> will become familiar. Um, so, Class B is split into two segments because we start getting into some serious performance cars now. So, Class A and Class B are split into two segments for forced induction cars and for normally aspirated cars. So, B2 is high-performance, normally aspirated, and there's a couple of Holden Commodore SS's in there. So that's your road-going 60 grand Australian, six-litre V8, Holden Commodore. Further up, when we get to A2, that's the HSV model. So that's right. the, real,
0: the real hot sauce stuff. Um, where, where, I take it the winner's going to come from A1 or, or A2, which are the ex, Extreme Performance Nationally Aspirated and Extreme Performance Forced Induction. Yes, yeah,
1: and and maybe a did, you, did we have a B
0: class car come yeah, on the podium last well, year, or the year
1: before? It won won it in two thousand sixteen, oh, okay. which was the three three five i BMW that yeah. won the twelve hour in 07 and ten. Yeah. So they're still that's your link. Um, that right. car actually not running this year, ironically, the first year mm. you come. Um, so yeah, so so B one uh, some reasonably serious cars. I think could surprise Todd Hazelwood, supercar driver, is a, a one three five e eighty two BMW, so almost current shape. It's an M Sport car. They're serious performance cars. They'll be somewhere in the top 10 at some point, I would have thought. They're, they're pretty handy. Um, the Impreza's in that class, perhaps not. But the, the top top of the entry list is where the money is, and that's where the serious competition's going to be, and that's where the, the serious number of
0: entries has been found as well in A1 Extreme. How, how many of these guys are running on a regular basis, and how many of these cars are getting rolled out for a one-off?
1: Uh, Oh, it's probably seventy thirty regular oh, one off. So they they either run in the Australian Production Car Series, of which this isn't around. It was last year, not this year. Um, or they run predominantly in the New South Wales Production Touring Car Series. Uh, A
0: two is all bar one Holden based. Um, H.S. V, all others a Monaro in there, and for those of you who don't, sorry, a Monaro. Uh, for those of you who don't know, that is the the two door fastback. Yeah. I used to get told off for calling it a Monaro. No, it's a Monaro. Monaro. Um, that's the two door uh, sort of fastback coupe yeah. version uh, of uh, of the Holden Commodore. I'm intrigued by a C63 Mercedes Benz in here. Yeah, th- this thing's popped up on our scene in the last
1: twelve months. Uh, a guy called Carl Bergen. His mate, Justin Anthony, have put this together out of Queensland. It, it's insane. And it, <laughs> it will be the fastest thing down Conrad here by and margin. Oh, really? oh yeah. so yeah. fun favourite immediately. It'll be 280Ks down Conrad, that thing, I reckon. Uh, it's it's going to be very, very cool to watch. So... Uh, I'm I'm pretty certain we've got an onboard in that car actually for our coverage on Sunday we'll talk more about that later (laughs) Um, yeah that thing's going to be a wild card I have no idea how that car will perform absolutely zero benchmark for where it will fit in the field it's not been here
0: before no Okay, keep an eye open for that one. Uh, the Monaro, by the way, the Monaro Mondo GT is the 16 car and that has got some high-tech oil sponsorship on it as well, so um, supporting being supported by the sponsor uh, of the event. Um, By far the most numerate are the Extreme Performance Forced Induction cars, which is where the smart money is going into this class, Class A1. Um, And there's actually a really lovely mix. Yes, there's the Lancers uh, of various vintage, 8s, 9s and 10s. I don't think there's anything older than an 8, is there? No. There's one Impreza in there as well, an STI. Um, but but also in there, a couple of air 45 AMGs, M3s. Uh, we've got a Ford Focus RS in there, which of course, because it's production based, keeps its four wheel drive. Yes, as do
1: the Evos and Subarus. Yep. yep. So there there is a light chance of a shower on Sunday at some point. So if it rains, those things will be good. So extreme performance forced induction has a hundred and fifty thousand AU price cap. It's one hundred and fifty grand. Um, and if you can buy a car for that, you can run it pretty much. So in recent years, that's actually increased. It used to be 130, so it's just for the up. base model car. Well, for whatever you can get. So you can buy a BMW M4 for 150 grand. So you can race it.
0: Right. Yes. Yeah, sorry. What I mean is, before you start doing yeah, any, before you spend for the road car got version. Got you. So okay. you
1: walk into a showroom. Can I have an M4? Yes. Can I have it for 150 grand? Yep. You can have it. So. That's how it works. Okay. Um, and in recent years, we've seen some very cool new cars coming to this. So the A45 AMG is a, a weapon. Those things are very, very handy, and they will be competitive, and there's some serious drivers in that. Um, Garth Walden, production car champion here, very experienced guy, and Craig Baird, Craig Bad, I've one. heard of. Yeah. Craig Bad at the Grand Prix last week beat Giancarlo Fisichella and Marcel Fassler, who are driving work-supported GT3 cars, and he beat them in Australian GT. Anyway, we...
0: So he's yeah. on a roll. He's we got a big notice. roll.
1: Yeah, they're fast. And he loves it here. Correct. Um, the Ford Focus RS you mentioned, Nathan Morkerman, and Chas Morsted. So Bathurst 1000 winner, pole sitter at the 12-hour earlier this year. Um, Nathan's one of his best mates. Nathan's a very handy driver. Won the Australian GT Endurance title two years ago. That RS led... Until the final five minutes of this race last year, they broke fifth and sixth gear oh. in the closing stages and got mowed down by a BMW, driven by Paul Morris. So um, it was a, a thrilling finish. And to see Chaz driving that car on the ragged
0: edge was spectacular. I'm, and I'm looking at some of these drivers, though. Um, Tim Slade's in here as well yep. in a Mitsubishi. Yep. Uh, you know, that's... There's some big names. Rod Salmon, people will reckon that, uh, recognise that name. We've spoken about him in the 12 uh, hours here before as well. Um, ben Kavich and Michael Kavich, why do I know those
1: names? Yeah, they did a 12-hour back in yeah. the early production car days. Um, Stephen Johnson's in one of the A45, son oh, yes. of the great man, and reigning touring car Masters champion in a Ford Mustang here in Australia. Um, yeah, there's some seriously good drivers. So... I can give you probably five or six that are the ones quickly watch if you're interested. Uh, Rod Salmon and Lee Burgess in the A45, they'll be strong. Uh, Morecambe and Mostard obviously, in the Focus RS. Berwick Linton and Tim Lay, Berwick's an Australian production car champion. Lots of 12-hour experiences on pole here a couple of years ago. Uh, This is a first-race brand-new BMW M3 competition. Uh, And he tested that car here at Challenge Bathurst last year, and it was a rocket ship. Um, The Garth and Craig Baird car will be fast the Eddie Alford Audi
0: TTRS. Will be great. It's what's, what's, the, what's the story behind that car? Is that Was that, again, built up from a road car? It has to be. It's, yep. not, it's not a car that's come in that has been built no. by Audi Sport. No, road car. Road yeah. car converted. Sounds like an R8 GT3. Yeah. That
1: five-cylinder yeah. howl. It's like the yeah. half a V10. Yeah, um, an outsider will be, and I'm excited about this car, Jeremy Gray, who's very mm. experienced, and George Miedicke, who's been in the 12-hour before a couple of times. Aston Martin, man, normally. 100%. They're in a Ford GT Falcon. Supercharged Falcon. Oh, wow, well, that's what that is. Yeah. FG. GTF. The GTF. The F stood for final. It was the last oh, one. Right. Yeah. Uh, supercharged V8. That thing is quick. Um, oh, Dylan. it sounds fantastic yeah. with a supercharged V8. It's oh, going to yeah. sound like a World War II yeah. uh, fighter player. Yeah, it's a Spitfire. Um, and Dylan Thomas and Tim Slade in the Evo 10 will be real quick. But the the car I think to beat is the Sharon Brothers, Grant and Ian in their BMW M4. Oh, really? um, that thing had this race shot to pieces last year, but had mechanical dramas. It was its first ever race. It's now had a month, oh, 12 months of development, won the Australian Production Car Series last year. That thing is quick, and the boys drive it well. So I think they're probably early favourites.
0: Quick final thought. Um, we're going to do some broadcasting in audio. We've got uh, practice and qualifying on Saturday, and we've got a, a full programme of support races in sound and vision uh, on Sunday. Strikes me that we're seeing with some of these new-build cars, Creelsey, an upsurge of interest in a, a category, the improved production, that has always been popular. But now they've got a Blue Riband event to throw everything around. And once again, it all comes back to Bathurst. Yeah, 100%. Like I
1: said at the start, it's all cyclical with this place. It all comes back to Mount Panorama. So people have now got this event They're confident that it's a thing. They're confident that it's growing. This is the first year we've got live terrestrial TV on on Fox Sports Australia. You guys are here for the first time, which is awesome. Um, National stream. 100%, yeah. Yeah. So so it's all going in the right direction. So that gives people confidence to go, yeah, I can go and invest in a car, build a race car and go and race and know that there's an element of return and security in the race to, to go and do that, which is great.
0: Um clock's change here over Saturday night into Sunday morning, which I can't even work out when that is for those of you back in Europe. So keep an eye on the times. Uh, Tim will keep across it. Uh, Radio Show Limited, uh, at Radio Le Mans and uh, Spec Your Tim, and obviously on Twitter, and Creelsey will be tweeting from the event. And there is a Twitter account, which is at... Bathurst 6H, isn't it? Six hour. It's Six all, hour? Yeah, okay. yeah all, And is that the hashtag as well? Uh,
1: the hashtag is hashtag B6HR. Right, we okay. tried to keep it reasonably no, no. similar to the no, no. February event,
0: so it all uh, it all ties in nicely. Seems reasonable. Crazy, can't wait to get started. Uh, and that, team is about all we've got time for.
5: In fact, it's all we've got time for because it has passed 10pm uh, now. So, uh, as John says, look at the website for... Details of when we are going to be live over the next few days from Bathurst. Well, John will be live from Bathurst. I won't be. I'll be in bed because it's in the middle of the night. Uh, But we will be back uh, live next Wednesday at 8 o'clock here on Midweek Motorsport here on RS1. For now, goodbye. This program is a radio show limited production.
4: Tell your friends there's more at RadioLamont.com.